much survivor and slog through the nadir. But then season forty's awesomeness, it made us wanna cheer. We all got so excited watching winners play. Then we got a pop of lazy asses and made a podcast on Thursday. John will make some dumb jokes. Andy likes to yell and scream. We got to watch 20 winners play, but somehow it still feels like a dream. We spent the whole time freaking out, judging the best move. And everything that Tony did, you know that we approved. It's the Tony Rocks Survivor Podcast. Winners at war that Tony won. Welcome to the Purple Rock Survivor Podcast. I am John. My co-hosts are Andy, Emma, and Matt. And we are talking Survivor Winners at War, the finale. Um, We're doing something very special, just as Survivor did. Doing a very odd and unique finale for us. Um, I'm going to let Andy explain the interactive features that we're going to be using because this is his baby. Andy, talk about your baby. Yeah, uh, so some of you have already noticed there is a chat feature. That's largely for you guys uh, to chat amongst yourselves because I have a hard enough time listening to other people while they're talking. If I'm also trying to read, um, I'm not doing what's important, which is waiting for my turn to talk. Um, we also have a Q&A function. That's where you can send questions while we are talking. Like if there's something that we're talking about that you want us uh, maybe to address at that moment, uh, type it in there. Uh, Matt will be monitoring that and we can throw it in. Um, at the end, we will have a open mic uh, Q&A section. That's when you guys will actually get to speak. Um, and I'll explain it again as it happens, but how that will work is if you have a question for us at that time, um, you're going to use the uh, raise hand feature, which I think is there. If it's not, um, we'll figure out another way to do it. I will unmute you and uh, we'll go from there. Uh, important first question comes to the Q&A. Is there a way to make Andy stop talking? Uh, no, there is not. <laughs> there is no way to make that happen. I'm sure, sorry. If, if there is, I think I would have discovered it at some point in the past six-ish years that we've been doing this. How long can Andy talk? The limit does not exist. All right, so let's talk about the actual finale of the show because holy shit, you guys. Tony just won an all-winner season of Survivor. Oh my God, we just watched that. It is real. I'm not dreaming. Yeah, uh, I I thought he had 0% chance. I was just going to bring this up to you. I don't know if you realize this, but you gave the man 0% chance. What are the odds? It happened again. He defied the odds. You think I'd learn my lesson? I can't believe it. I really can't believe it. It's, you know, I thought it was going to happen. I, I felt like that for the past couple of weeks, but did not want to say it. Unlike John, I was not going to say it until it happened. But, oh, my God, it happened. The biggest season of all time with the, you know, all winners – Playing at a high level, Tony, a guy who, you know, nobody should, it was a fluke that he won the first time, so we hear, and everybody should have seen coming, won by dominating and never receiving a vote against. Is this life? It is unreal. The fact that 
Tony played a very aggressive Tony game in the post-merge, no one was like, we should do something about this. It, it never happened. He, he made it all the way to the end. They never even came at the king. Unreal. There was a few times they, you know, waved at it. They and tried. Kim brought Kim, it up. Kim made an attempt. But... Right. To her credit. And she's honestly a fucking legend for that because she knew, like, now nah, we probably got to nip this Tony thing in the bud and take a shot at least, which is all you can do. Can yeah. you believe it, Emma? It, I mean, I, it is, it is shocking. I mean, especially the way he won, like, because it wasn't, yeah, sure, he still had some Tony stuff and he had some spine dust, but like, he was really laying low at the beginning. And yeah, the fact that he never was voted for, and sure, there were a lot of times that he had um, immunity or whatever, but like, yeah, Tony to this day has never played an idol correctly for all the talk that it's like, <laughs> Oh, Tony needs idols to it. Like, you know, he's used he's used the idols the way like a yielded or um someone where he's using it for more than just that one tribal council. You know, he has never he has never played an idol and saved himself successfully with that. And that's kind of crazy. Like on the one hand that seems bad, but it also shows, yeah, they all knew or I mean it seemed obvious he was the threat, but gosh, one of the things I had like criticized a little bit michelle for was the way she came after talked to sarah you know last week about how like going after how like oh tony's gonna be seen as the leader it's like and part of what i'm thinking is like oh as if sarah isn't aware that tony is you know maybe a front runner but they all looked fucking shocked when natalie <laughs> told them so i don't know what were, like i know they don't see the edit but what were they watching i don't know man I, that was insane to me that like Tony rightly was like, oh, shit, I can't believe she's putting me on blast like this. But also, I hope she's telling the truth. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> I, is it remotely possible? I mean, we saw Boston Rob whispering on the jury. Like, it was somehow clear to people that, that are watching from across the, the, like, the tribal council set that Tony is doing these things. How is it not clear to the people on the other side? I mean, I think it's been established that if you whisper at tribal council, no one can hear you, <laughs> including, like, microphones and such. So, you know, I guess there's a lot going on. They're walking away. They're not seeing that. And it's just, how how did they not know? Like, I guess when you're I, playing I I can answer. winners, everybody feels I, I, like I think I can answer how they didn't know, and it's all about how Tony played the pre-merge, which is cry yourself to sleep as pointed out in the q a uh he won because he managed his threat level didn't he he followed the uh the adam game plan and uh he managed his threat level and that's why uh, no one saw tony uh as a uh, obvious winner because I mean, he, he just... didn't manage it so much they didn't need to win fire as much as we draw you know adam for that i mean when it comes to the pre-merge he did manage his threat level and that's that's when it matters because as we saw you know and as i think we would have seen with denise if she got to the end depending who she got with huge moves in the pre-merge don't do a lot for you and final tribal so yeah lay low be you know start talking about that dang poker alliance (laughs) and then and just like you know Hope but, no one notices that you're aligned with the same person you've played two seasons with. <laughs> and I'm glad you brought up the poker alliance because I think that's part of what helped him lay low. I, I mean, Andy and I talked about this before the season, and I thought this was good for Rob because he had all these connections, and you know, this would help Rob and Amber and that crew. It turns out 
it actually helped people like Tony because there was Rob and Amber and that crew to go after. Right. Yeah. It, took, it, took, it took the attention away from, you know, mm-hmm. the other obvious uh, threats that everyone was talking about before the season, like Tony and Sarah. Because if you remember the preseason, Sarah was put down by, like, every single woman on the cast as the biggest threat to throw it immediately. No doubt. Yeah, it turns out being the wild man Akagian is less threatening than being married to Rob Mariano. And that's, I think, what helped out. Um, and, yeah, I mean, look, we obviously did have some fun with the uh, manager threat level thing. But, no, of course a part of Survivor is managing your threat level. It's just not 100% put this down on a tree what Survivor is about. Nothing is 100% what Survivor is about. Survivor is about a lot of things. It's even about more than fire is life. So that's kind of why we had some fun with it. It's like, yeah, you have to, but at a certain point, if you manage your threat level too much, you probably can't win you know, cue people who lose a lot in Final Tribal Council. At a certain point, you might need to do things like win immunities, like play idols, like play fire, not because you're bad at Survivor, but because you're good. Um, and that's kind of, you know, why we're having some fun. And thankfully for Tony, he was able to do all the things. Um, and it was amazing. Like this, what I also like about this is like at midseason, we were especially me whining and complaining and rendering garments and much shorter hair at the time, pulling it out because it felt like survivor wasn't a game that you could like attack and dominate. And it felt like this season wasn't going to be that. And it turns out, yeah, you can, you just have to be Tony Blackos. Right. And that was what was amazing to me is that we got to that point and I was like, this looks dire. Just if you look across the board at who's left, I mean, it seemed like at that point, okay, there are some very big and obvious targets. And at that point, thank God, Tony rounds up the few big targets and is like, hey, we need to take out all these peons right now, which like all it took was two, three votes and that was it. And then it turned the tide of the game and I'm so glad it happened. I mean, one of the things that I think was really good about Tony's game was that he while targeting certain people or, you know, that were playing different games from him, he never talked down about their games. So, you know, Mm -hmm. you were talking about him targeting the peons. He talked about them as hyenas instead of lions. Hyenas isn't insulting. It doesn't say like, these are the bad winners, which is probably what we would have said. Uh, And you know what you get, you know, uh, but what you were saying was these people are dangerous because they play a different type of game than us. And they are going to tear us down if we don't take them out. And he was right about that. And in the finale, when he talks about the edge and Natalie's, uh, and Natalie's experience there, he doesn't tear down the edge. He, you know, he very subtly distinguishes it. And like, you know, it's like, look, she, you know, every, everyone went through a lot there, but it's different than the game I played. And this is what I did without being like the Gavin where it's like, she didn't even play. You didn't even play the game because he was at the edge. Yeah, it also helped him, like, identify, hey, guys, uh, should we worry about Natalie, who's coming back and might have, like, these idols and stuff? Um, He, whereas everybody, for some reason, was underestimating him, uh, underestimating her. And this actually plays in Kageon. In Kageon, he also, like, understood the value of, like, taking out Jephra and wasn't just worried about the targets. He, you know, seems to always understand that everyone here is a threat to what's important, me. Um, and, you know, that is a way you should play Survivor. Right, and it's not like that originated with Tony. Sari did that back in Panama. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think one of the keys here is, you know, Tony was compared 
to Russell unfavorably, or I, I guess favorably when he first played in Cagayan. And the, the differences are so stark because Russell is the person who would have called the shitty winners shitty winners and who would have like belittled the edge of extinction experience. Like Tony knows not how you, that's, that's not how you win survivor. Like you don't diminish the experiences or the value of others. You, you know, you talk Ben up, Ben, you're a lion just like us. You know, you, you use, your compliments and your your like your words the way you speak to other people to win their jury vote without alienating them like you saw him talking to those people at the final tribal council and they they lit up they started laughing as soon as tony would he tell had the stories the and, out of the palm of his hand and it was yeah, like the thing is you know they people want to you know vote for someone where they feel good about voting for them so even if they hadn't really met the guy when playing or you know, didn't, didn't work with him as, as sort of silly as it sounds like having like, Oh, what a fun guy. Like, yeah, it makes me laugh. He'll, he'll be fun. Like it, it just gives you that much more goodwill. Yeah. And always the underrated part of Tony's game has been the fact that people like him. Yeah. You know, he doesn't get talked about as a social player because, you know, many people reserve that term for, you know, and, I like them, and also I can't identify what else is good about them. Uh, I certainly can't also be a social player and be an aggressive player. That's not allowed. But uh, a give or take a Cass or, you know, a Tasha, like people have genuinely liked Tony Vlacos, and it was easy to see throughout the season. And, yeah, it was easy to see last night in the jury. It's just fun, man. It's fun being around someone like that, and it's easy to not be upset when he does stuff. I mean, like, he blackstabbed Sarah and Ben like 10 days prior to them, like, you know, cheerfully, you know, rooting him on. It just didn't matter because he's Tony. Yeah. So uh, important question from the Q and a now, uh, was there anything uh, more Tony could have done to make his win more dominant? I mean, I suppose win that last challenge would have tied at five and he wouldn't have had to go to uh, the fire. Um, but other than that, I mean, I think that leads into an even more important question. Is Tony the greatest survivor player of all time? I uh, see. And this is, so I guess if you're going to talk dominance, this would be it. If, if he did win that challenge, that would allow him to bring Sarah to final tribal council. And if you can beat Sarah and Natalie, uh, I, not that you need to make his win more convincing, but I think that would do it. I'm ready to say that Tony is the best player of all time in, in the history of Survivor. Um, you know, when you look at, and obviously this is like anybody, I'm the person saying it. So it's based on what I value, but not only like, is he one of only two two-time winners? Those wins weren't exactly, you know, out of nowhere. They were pretty much dominant throughout. Um, he won possibly the most loaded season of all time. I mean, at the very least, everybody in it had previously won. Uh, there wasn't like somebody just thrown in. Even heroes versus villains had a couple of. Eh. Um, and if you look at the other parts of Survivor, like who's more entertaining? Like yeah, you know, like he's like really entertaining. He does lots of stuff. This you know season, he won challenges, so he has that part of his bucket. He understands strategy. He has a good social game. Like if everything that you know kind of encompasses what's in a Survivor, Tony can do. So I guess one of the questions to whether or not he's the greatest player is, do you find it more impressive if someone beats all winners because it's a level playing field, everyone's a winner, there's not like, you know, 
there's not the extra outsized target of being a winner? Or do you find it more impressive if, if someone who's already won beat people who haven't won? So Sandra winning uh, Heroes versus Villains, she was a winner. She survived despite being a winner. She was able to avoid that target. Whereas Tony, he didn't have the extra burden of, well, he's one of the few winners here. That adds an extra target to him. Well, I think what we saw this season, though, especially at the beginning, is not all winners are created equal. So while, you know, they were all winners, there was a hierarchy that everybody was aware of. And, you know, some of that obviously was chronologically based, but certainly Tony was viewed at points of the game. He was mentioned in the conversations of being in that upper echelon. He was somebody that Jeremy, for instance, wanted to use as a shield. So... I don't feel like, you know, he didn't have a target going in uh, to this season um, in a way that like, yeah, Sandra was a winner, but she was a, one of the winners that people didn't talk up. Like that was actually how she was able to, you know, skate by a bit. Back, like Russell Hans probably like knew she was a winner because people told him that, but yeah, you know, he didn't fear her that way. The one thing, um, and this isn't a particularly interesting answer, but what I think is tricky is I, I personally think it's just kind of impossible to say that anyone's the greatest of all time because it's just such a high variable game and it's changed so much. I think you could maybe say Tony's the best modern survivor player of all time, but like comparing what he did in Kagayan and in Winners at War is just not like is incomparable to like something like Vanuatu or thailand or you know anything in the old school game or mid school or whatever they're just it's just completely different gameplay and that doesn't make someone like ethan i think a worse survivor player because he was playing a different kind of survivor and i guess it's sort of like you know you basketball people like will like to talk about how people point out that oh like comparing LeBron James or Michael Jordan or something. And I, again, need to make it clear, I don't know what I'm talking about here, <laughs> that, that the game has changed and evolved and LeBron is a bigger person. And it's the same for baseball that um, I heard, you know, I've heard people talk about how if you took a mid-tier level baseball player of now and send them to the 70s, they would dominate because it's just faster and higher, you know. Because they don't just, smoke between innings. Also right. that. <laughs> Though also everyone was taking greenies in the Plus, 70s in baseball. So, exactly. you know, like, legal, you know, basically legal amphetamines definitely help. Yeah. And then if uh, you yeah. send them to like the 40s, they're like, hey, who let you in here? You know. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is why uh, you, you can't compare, but you also can't say like, oh, well, these modern players are absolutely better than these older players. Because if these older players, and this goes for sports as well had the knowledge of what came later maybe they would able you know and had the um the training and yada yada you know insert whichever sport or game here um to and like could take advantage of that maybe they would be just as good but it's just it's just an unknowable thing it's just one of those things in my my view to hop in with a q a uh, that plays off this sports question if tony is the greatest but Michelle is Michael Jordan. Who is Tony then? <laughs> I mean, look, I'm almost ready to say LeBron is better than Michael Jordan, although I've been spending a lot of time watching Michael Jordan's uh, self-produced documentary, so starting to feel the other way. But, yeah, and look, everything Emily says, Emma says is fair <laughs> uh, and true. Comparing eras, all of that, and especially in a game like Survivor where, you know, you can – you know, win it so many different ways. It's why we've never ranked players. Oh, that's good and fair. And still, if somebody asks me who's the greatest survivor of all time, I'm going to say Tony. What about you, Jeff? Yes. 
So that's it. That's the answer. It, it's Tony. <laughs> I mean, it, we can go back and forth. There's obviously variables that would come into play in any season Tony plays. Um, but drop Tony into any random assortment. No one's ever heard of Tony. No one's ever seen Tony. I think he's going to do pretty well most of the time. I mean, there's there's obviously some deficiencies in his game. Um, but again, it, I think it's, oh, sorry. it's hard I, to top I, the way he interacts with people and how he moves through this game. His social game's not as good as Sarah's, but at the same time, he makes up for it in other ways. Like, yeah, he, he's like, he said himself, he's just the multi-tool player. He's got, he's good at just good enough at everything. And I think that makes him the greatest. I also think um, if we're talking about, you know, Tony now who's played three times, like who knows the lessons of what made him lose game changers. I think if you drop him into anywhere, yeah, it's now he really knows what to do. I think he would be, Hard to stop if, you know, again, as you said, we're in a world where they don't already know, oh, shit, that's Tony Parker. We can't make the mistake they made and let him get to the merge. No, I mean, that's actually a really good point, because if I think about the players who I consider the greatest uh, to ever play the game, they've all lost. They've all been voted out. and And most of them have actually learned from being voted out. Like, you know, because, like, if I think of, like, you know, like, what's my inner circle survivor players at Mount Rushmore, the names that leap to mind are Tony, uh, Sandra, Parvati, Rob. Uh, Parvati got voted out her first time. She came back. She was much better the second time. Learned from that. Rob got voted out his first time. His second time, he got to the end, but he didn't win. So then he learned from that too. Like Sandra, <laughs> Sandra, of course, won her first two times, which I think makes her in many ways so impressive. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just like the best also learn from their mistakes. And while it doesn't completely change their game, they learn how to kind of tone down, tone down maybe, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the parts of their game that might, you know, be their biggest flaws. Uh, beyond just like his legacy of all the seasons, like what about just a finale? Like Tony, like it wasn't as big um, in the finale as he was in like, you know, being extorted or all that, but he still did a lot of things in this finale. Like a lot of things I think were you know, worth mentioning. Like um, first off, and I think this is the grand highlight, you know, he was right when everybody else was wrong about Natalie. Yeah. And I, I think, I think that moment is really highlights something that I don't think people like to give Tony credit for because he's so kind of bombastic is that for all of that, he's not an overly confident player. You know, he's, he's paranoid, maybe sometimes to a fault, but he's never going to be like, you know, you don't have those confessionals and sure they don't tend to play them for winners. But like, I, I feel like you don't really have those confessionals of Tony being like, everything's going my way. This is perfect. Nothing could possibly go wrong. Because he doesn't believe that. He believes there could definitely be something going wrong, which is probably why this season especially he kept having those last-minute plans because he thought of, like, oh, wait, this could happen. Like, better better try to change, you know, change this instead. So yeah, No, he's just always whirling. He's always trying to think of the next thing. And, you know, it's easy to mis- to interpret that as, you know, just like he's just bull-rushing things. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's just no, it's that he's always thinking. He's always worrying about what the possibility is. And it turns out he was right. He was right. Everybody else was wrong. 
And, you know, he would have had an easier path and they all would have had an easier path to the end if they just would have listened to Tony. And, you know, I think, I think the episode did a really good job underlining both for this season and probably like, you know, again, Kageyan, Game Changers is the aberration of that, you know, he's not just a crazy person. He knows what he's talking about. And these other people who say that, yeah, he's just paranoid. That's just Tony being Tony. And they were so confident that they were right. That's why you guys were voting for Tony instead of sitting beside him. Yeah. So let me ask you guys a question that actually uh, from the Q and A that leads into that. Um, Do you think that Tony benefits in his game from people underestimating him and assuming that he, that he has a crazy social game and uh, the comments are nearly Nina compared that to Sandra, who I think also kind of benefits from that too, but they're actually both very good social players, right? Yeah. I I think it's similar. Like because Sandra's so brash People think like, oh, well, you know, she doesn't play a great social game, but it just the same as Tony's like mania, it disarms you. Like you, you aren't seeing what Tony's doing because it's like, man, he, he seems nuts. He is like always coming up with wild theories and plans and he's paranoid all the time. This guy is clearly not got his head in the game, but he absolutely does because he, like you said, spent hours and hours he doesn't sleep. They showed it in this episode, which I really enjoyed. I mean, he's he said before, he doesn't fucking sleep when he's on Survivor. <laughs> so he went through walking around with a, a torch inside a shell. Like, where's the idol? <laughs> it's like 3 a.m. in Fiji, and Tony's wandering around carrying a shell with fire in it looking for an idol. Were you guys like, don't burn down Fiji? Don't burn down Fiji? <laughs> I, saw, I saw after the fact, so I have to kind of assume it was at this time standpoint that jeremy was like oh man am i gonna have to go to work tonight <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah no and uh, in Kageon, definitely i think that was happening they, they took a look at this wild great guy and like he's got zero percent chance of winning let's let him be out front and take the arrows and he'll eventually you know fall you know, down or the jury won't vote for him um, and then this time around, I don't know if it was that, like, I think you know, a lot of it was social bonds, but I do think a lot of it is just like, he, people get bemused by him and that disarms how dangerous the, you know, he should feel to them. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think people's kind of, you know, I think circling back to game changers for a moment, um, people kind of saw like, oh, well, you know, it played the first time because he's playing against newbies, but it wouldn't work against people who've played before because it didn't work on Game Changers. And I think that, and I, and I like, I don't think Tony wins if he doesn't appear on Game Changers, which no. is another Q&A, and I think we all agree with that, right? Yeah, no, then yeah. he's Kim Spradlin. Uh, we yep. saw what happens there. You know, he needed to uh, have his threat level taken down before he could succeed again. And, you know, a similar thing happened to Boston Rob uh, when he finally won, too. And that's 100% it. Like, I, I think, you know, Kim could come back and do the exact same path as Tony. Like, she got her L, and then she'll come back and win again. I, I could totally see it if, they, if she ever comes back, which, who knows? She should do that. Um, <laughs> yeah, hopefully she's listening. She's like, maybe I will go back. Yeah, that guy really seems really smart, even though he's Tony's yeah. biggest fan. Hey, yeah, um, guys, guys. I don't know. Guys. He might be Kim's biggest fan. Well, <laughs> this is John we're talking about here. Close. I'm just saying she can read. Um, <laughs> spinest. Did that. the spinest work? Did the spinest work? <laughs> I mean, like any good police sting, it only works if you lead them in there, lie to them about why you're there, and then you get the information based upon false pretenses. So. And have a yes. partner that you trust to 
Well, I guess, I guess who also uncovers the evidence just by talking to somebody but who knows she, maybe she wouldn't have told tony i mean she didn't tell him that she voted for was voting for ben i mean so Sarah's I mean, evidence though would be admissible at tribal council because she did ob- obtain it in lawful ways right matt uh definitely not that fruit of the poisonous tree applies there i mean <laughs> the thing i couldn't believe at that moment was natalie just was wearing the idol on her yeah, what that- was that that was insane that was just what Maybe she hell? doesn't have a bag anymore. Maybe like Just that. Bury it. it. Come on. <laughs> yeah, she she chose her bikini top tor- poorly. I think she needed space that she could tuck it away. I mean, it also isn't that big an idol. Um, I'm not going to yeah. get into all the places it could be hidden, but clearly <laughs> that didn't work very well. Hey, you know, we spent the, uh, the leaves. Can I just first say the the leaves rustling after the idol <laughs> was the funniest thing I could imagine. Like, I especially saw. I'm I'm sorry. There were over two thousand comments. So I didn't make note of who who did it, but one of our commenters, you know, noted like, you know, Natalie, oh, here's the idol in an animate tree nearby. Starts shaking. No, no, no. <laughs> Delightful. Okay. Yeah, delightful. I, uh, I enjoyed that, like, it again, just excellent editing by the show that they leave. And then you see, it, it's clearly Tony actually, as he's immediately getting down from the tree, being like, oh my God, I was up there for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Which then at Tribal, he was like, I was only, I was up there for a, for a half an hour. He actually yeah. lowered it for the jury, which I thought was pretty uh, That's a weird move. That's like a reverse <laughs> Angelina. Right, that's, that's right. I had to climb like a seven foot ladder. <laughs> it's like, that doesn't seem that big anymore. <laughs> oh, uh, we started talking uh, this right away about Tony because that's the right call and we should. But uh, like, should we talk about like how the episode in general? Because that was a pretty damn good finale, wasn't it? Yeah. That was tense as hell. Uh, I, it was hard to enjoy because I was so worried the entire time. <laughs> and then I was yelling at John and DMs for trying to jinx it for, you know, the last, like, hour and a half because he's a jerk like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, so it was an extremely tense episode. And then there got it to a point. Like, I, the odds were so stacked against Tony towards the beginning of the episode that once he started to overcome some of them, I was like, okay, now I see it. It Now I see the path. And then we got to, when it got to Tony making the fire, I, the doubt did creep back in. Cause I'm like, man, Sarah could win this too. Like it, it would make sense for Sarah to win the too. Rope first. It was all yeah. there. When it have was... we genuinely, when have we ever seen in a fire making challenge, the flame touch the rope. The only time is like if they both get hit it at the same time and you have to see her flame got there first and then she fucking dampened it with the coconut husk. I couldn't I was shook. Like I don't think anyone yeah. says that anymore but that's what happened. <laughs> I just, no I said I said it was like no, oh, Sarah won. There it is. There it is. Yep. Yeah. yeah no I was the same way and and well earlier in the episode when the episode began I was when Sarah was given her, you know, talk about Natalie's not having an idol, I was like, Sarah can't win now. And then a half hour later, I was like, Nope, Sarah's gonna Sarah's win. 100% winning. Sarah's gonna win. <laughs> I was like, Bye bye, Sarah. That's her. 
Sarah's going to get in, but then lose to Natalie because of how bad they made her look in that first half hour. Right, and then that's where I came around to. So bad. No, and Natalie finds that second idol. I'm like, damn it, Sarah! Now Natalie's going to win. Like it was tense the whole way through. I did not like like relax until Tony was up three votes in the you know in in Jeff Probst's garage. Like the whole way through. The moment that in the first tribal, or sorry, in the first immunity challenge that Jeff pretty obviously 80 yard in my opinion said it would be quite a comeback for michelle i was like my god it's gonna happen it's happening again it's happening again yeah, yeah no, no, i mean as soon as like he reminded us that this was the puzzle I'm like oh she's just gonna win like yeah, yeah and no live survivor like, twitter was all over the michelle was winning that challenge from like wow, this second to happen how amazing that she did that puzzle so quickly when she's done that exact puzzle before and no one else had wow amazing what wait amazing. wait wait hey. are you suggesting <laughs> that things are easier to solve when you know the answer Yes. Okay. Not to be fair, to be fair, at that. least she kicked the puzzle again. It's like the one. Why is that you know, fair? It wasn't organic the first time. She <laughs> only did it because Jeff wanted her to, and the second time she only did it because she did it the first time. I am not into these manufactured ass moments that everyone else pretends they aren't into either. That when like a confessional or a joke or a bit someone has is suddenly like. Oh, that like oh Rick Devins doing doing the like newscaster noise. What a try hard! But Michelle kicking the puzzle when Jeff Probst tells her to. And yes, wow, queen. so epic! What a great gif I'll use forever. <laughs> I'm so, so happy they had the shitty angle. In um, in fairness to Michelle, um, just because, and you know this is not generally our our shtick around here, but Nick had to do a puzzle earlier in the season that he had won before. How'd that work out for him? No, I don't know if Congrats, he won it. Michelle, you're better than Nick. Did I Nick know, I win, think he that did win that puzzle? Oh, did he? So. Oh, shit. I, so. I don't pay attention to Nick. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think he might have done the puzzle. I'm not sure if he had won it. Uh, people can let us know. Um, I'm not sure how because I'm not really reading the chat. Uh, look, uh, all no. you Nick fans, jump in. I think it is unfair to let somebody... to do a puzzle that they've already solved. The same reason why people don't tend to go to like the same escape room twice. It's just kind of easier. Now, is it more unfair than other things in Survivor that are unfair? Nah, it's part and parcel of it, but it's also an easy thing to avoid. If somebody has done it successfully, change it up. I'm not saying she wouldn't have won anyway. She won the first time she did it. She's good at this one, but I'm less impressed when you solve something that you know the answer to. But they have been using all the challenges this season. Were challenges from previous yeah, Sure, but it's different. You have it is. No, a puzzle you've clung to before is not the same as solving a puzzle you've done before. Especially if you, you know, like Tyson, clung successfully to that poll like eight years ago or whatever. I don't know. Time, time is fake. But you know what I mean. <laughs> Time yeah. has only become fake recently. It's not, you know, I mean, it's it's a construct, but it's not fake. In the oh, chat, it does say that Nick won the slide puzzle. Now, one thing I'll say is, like, slide puzzles are all the same. Yeah, um, that's so. that's true. Other people might have learned that slide, you know, learned slide puzzle algorithms, too. Like, I, Can I just say how disappointed I am that we didn't get Tony uh, doing the slide puzzle the way he did? Okay, yeah. I know, he didn't... <laughs> 
Oh, what if he either needed to be just as bad as before or to solve it? Right, exactly. Like and he was just kind of like mildly If Tony competent. had learned the algorithm to a slide puzzle and like nailed it, that would have, I would have fainted. It would have been great. It would have been a perfect like defiance of expectations. You know, the juxtaposition of Tony and Kagayan just slamming pieces in like a complete circle. They're not going anywhere versus this time just calmly oh yes well i just have to make sure that the you know the right goes in this order and then you switch it and then you have to switch the last one and boom yeah but you know despite all that like this was just a really great finale which i think you know um somewhat justifies the 10 minutes they just threw in at the end of last one because there was not room for it here yeah i gotta say i i was unsure about that whole like three hour thing especially because last week those two hours just dragged but these three hours flew by and really to me highlighted how rushed the finales the past few years have been um so hopefully they keep that in mind for the future but yeah like that it like i looked you know i remember looking at the clock i'm like oh shit it's 10 30 like oh yeah i guess it's time for final travel but like let me oh wow it's just this is how long it took that's incredible like i was not expecting it yeah, and I, for me, it's like I've always said that, uh, you know, the less reunion, uh, the better. I think this helped really reinforce it. I would have liked, like, Tony getting, like, two minutes of an interview. But other than that, I have I have no need for the reunion. I, I, I don't feel like real uh, big Survivor fans are lacking in access to, you know, uh, survivors to talk about how the season went. Um, so this is more the norm that they're just like, yeah, we're just going to give you, you know, three hours especially since they tend to cram like you know three boats fire making whatever all together um it it worked really well this time i'm just gonna throw this out there if tony needs to talk about the season i know a podcast he could come on might be willing bob's really excited about it (laughs) wow way to undercut us there emily uh Uh, anything in the q a matt Yes. Uh, so uh, to kind of, since we were talking about going through the episode, let's start at final six because we got a question on that. So uh, final six, uh, Natalie plays an idol. Ben plays an idol. Tony plays an idol. That Tony played before Ben. Um, the votes were on Natalie and Ben. Tony didn't receive any. Had he not played his idol, do you think that he would have had to make fire against Denise? No, because wouldn't that have meant three people were available for the vote? Yeah. Yes, yeah. it would have been him, Sarah, and Denise. Oh, you're suggesting that oh, they right. would have they tied have it there. It. Yeah, they would have tied it between the two. Uh, oh no, but if they tied it between the two of them, then it would go to rocks, and whoever was left out of the rock would pick that. So no, right. there, so was, there was no gone. way that there would be fire at that point if Tony didn't play his idol. Right. There we go. Yeah. Okay. So we didn't that one out, guys. Thing. That was good. Yeah, we did it live too. We. Uh, yes, you know. I was also part of the math. I definitely knew what. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, to continue uh, with, uh, with, the, with the rest of this, um, uh, there's a couple questions about the fire making. Uh, Tony was in the previous losing position, so there's not so that broke the pattern oh, nice. of the fire making winning position. But uh, a question from someone else was this, uh, and he says this unironically, the best fire challenge ever. Absolutely, without a doubt. Like it was, uh, it was we said like she was there, and then when it was like her fire was big, and frankly. 
maybe his Tony position worked this time because it felt like like the wind was just pushing her fire away from the rope. Now that could also be, you know, maybe Tony put the kindling on the right side to even it out. I don't know. I don't know from fire. Uh, but in terms of excitement, I mean, yeah, I would say this beats uh, two ladies doing it for like two hours. Um, <laughs> crazy, <Andy. laughs> Wow, Andy. Jeez. Sure about that. I don't know what type of excitement you're looking for, but <laughs> no, that's how exciting this was. And also, <laughs> I don't have the patience for that. By the way. <laughs> Two hours. It's a marathon <laughs> session. Uh, um, yeah. I mean, uh, certainly Poverty and Yule were like, what's going on here? They're competent. Um, yes. What do you guys- <laughs> that was probably the reaction there, yeah. Uh, circling back to final six then, uh, should Natalie and Michelle have voted for Sarah and forced Sarah to make fire against Denise? I certainly thought so at the probably. time. But I think probably what was happening is they wanted Sarah in the game. Sarah seemed receptive to Natalie. And Sarah voted with them at the next vote, so. I also think, like, as much of a vote, I think it's got to be the case that Denise was more, you know, how, like, usually in the final, you know, in the finale, there's always that person at, like, five or six, where they're like, oh, they're a huge social threat. We got to get rid of them. You know, like, I mean, you know, fan favorite game changer Sierra Don Thomas being an example of this. Uh, But like someone who maybe we didn't see as much, but it turned out everyone really liked. And I can absolutely see that being the case for Denise, where they, they legitimately thought she was a threat to win, but the show unfortunately didn't um, share that with us. So we saw Natalie say... turn to Michelle and give her the marching orders. Um, and so I think Natalie was like, yeah, I want Sarah around. Sorry, you were saying, John? And, and that's exactly it. I, I think we saw from Sarah her saying, like, listen, I've known Natalie for six hours now. I think I know she doesn't have an idol. Like, I get it. I mean, haha, it's funny. But at the same time, like, if you're Sarah, you should probably trust in your social game. Like, there is ample evidence that you're fucking good at this so you know the fact that at that point they were like ah let's keep sarah around because maybe she'll work with us she'd probably already put in the work in those six hours that she'd known natalie all right uh anything else in the q a for now matt uh for now uh do we think the parade of losers was warranted this season with everyone we had i would argue that we kind of got that with everyone's kind of goodbye from the edge after the challenge I don't think we needed an extra segment on that, but what do you guys think? I think this episode and the season in general did a very good job honoring the players. We also got like the pre-recorded, uh, and then they sent in stuff that was basically a parade of losers without making the people walk through it and like ponder, you know, yeah. horrifically. And I really appreciate it. I, I one of my favorite things about this season from the very beginning was that it was honoring these people and thus honoring my investment in them. And I thought it worked really well in this finale. I would agree. And that'll, I think that'll actually come up in our discussion of uh, Ben later on. There's, there's certain things that I think the edit did this season that was probably framed differently than it might've been in other seasons. And I think that's because of the fact that they were, you know, this was a season of all winners. It's a historic thing. Like just because you lose a season doesn't mean you're bad at survivor and survivors, editors and producers wanted to present that to the viewers. All right, uh, when we move on to the next subject, we're going to have a bit of a guest appearance here from somebody all the way across the pond, as long as I can hit the buttons right. Uh, 
Except for Adam, correct. Commenter there. Hey, John and Andy. It's uh, B here, or as I am better known in this place, Kemper Boyd. Uh, I have one question for you. Um, is Sarah Lucina a top-tier Survivor player? Where does she rank? Maybe not rank, but where does she sit in the pantheon of Survivor players? I think she's in a, she's got an argument to be in the top tier for sure. This game was really impressive until fire. Yeah, and uh, can I just also add in that there was actually another Q&A question I was saving because it was very similar. So uh, this is one that a couple people asked. I think Sarah, you know, when I talked about the Mount Rushmore, I didn't mention her at the time because I knew we were going to talk about this now, but I think she's 100% in that very, very, very top tier of Survivor players. If you want to say she's top five, I would not bat an eye at that. If you want to say she's top three, you know, we'd argue based on what we want, but right. I think there's an argument there. Yeah, we yeah. don't, as I said, rank players, except that I did, uh, you know, like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> right. um, but, like, when, like, sports, you know, um, observers like to talk about somebody being in their top 10, top 15, and then they name, like, 25 people over the course of that. But there's a sense of what top 10 is. Yeah. Sarah is that. She is yes. one of the absolute best players in the history of Survivor. Uh, we admired her game in Game Changers without loving it due to, you know, it was it was monotone. It was a dull season, but we never didn't give her credit for the very impressive things she did there. She was just as impressive, if not more, this time out. Agreed uh, completely. Like I'm she. Just... Oh, go ahead, Emma. No, no, no. You go. You go. Okay, I was trying to defer it to a woman. Come yeah, but on. you had already like started a thought, and I had started half a word. <laughs> uh, okay, fine. We'll get into uh, gender politics later, anyway. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. um, okay, so, <laughs> so Sarah's game to me was phenomenal this time. I mean, I already touched on it earlier. Like uh, her social game. I know there's there's a certain crowd on Twitter that doesn't like to acknowledge that she's actually the queen of the social game, but she's so fucking good at this. Like time and time again and it's if you know what to look for you can see it like kim not wanting to go after her denise is her friend ben is like vote me out i'll vote for you at the end because you're amazing and no one should undervalue what you've done like people really like sarah tyson at the start of the season it's like oh sarah's my best buddy we're joking around we're having lots of fun like the connections that she made unreal like no one disliked Sarah. Everyone wanted to work with her. Everyone wanted to be like, I mean, we always say it's, it's Kim, it's Parvati that this have this kind of charm, but holy shit. I mean, it's not as outwardly obvious with Sarah, at least to us, but it certainly must be on the island. And I think we got a much better taste of it this season too. Sarah was a lot more fun, engaging, entertaining than we ever saw in Game Changers. Yeah, I think um, what I was just going to say is, like, not to be too much of a cop-out after the, you know, goat answer, is that I'm just so genuinely bad with numbers that it's hard for me to, like, conceive <laughs> of, like, anything like that, of, like, what would be... I mean, there's been over, like, 500 players, man. I don't know what a top 10 or 15 is. But, like, I would definitely call her, like, an excellent, you know, an excellent player. Like, she is great. Like, you know, you could say top tier. How big is a tier? I don't know. Right. Or, no, or, I mean, I, I mean, like words. So she's excellent. That's what I say. I mean, honestly, if Sarah had won this season instead of Tony, 
I, sh- I, I would be, I would be like, is Sarah the best player of all time? Like, yeah. because that's how high I, I held her game this season in regard, you know, coming into the finale, I really did think it was like 55, Tony, 45, Sarah. So that doesn't account for the fact that I was also like, there's like a good chance whoever comes back from edge wins. Um, you know, again, numbers, not great. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I'm no, Sarah's so really, really good. And so. like, so she had the big misstep in this episode yes. of yeah. you know, completely misreading Natalie and more importantly, not listening to Tony. And, you know, I mean, all of us were like, okay, well, I guess she's gone. And it, it felt very much like that moment. But then I think a lot of people were starting to write her off. Man, it happens. But we saw how she recovered for that. You know, Natalie gives her a plan. She, you know, gives up the fact that she found the idol. And yeah, Ben is literally like, it's okay. Just vote me out so you can win. Like, uh. Ben, yeah. Ben, yeah. during that, con- that wasn't a confessional. It was a conversation with Sarah. I was like, is this sincere? Is he legitimately like falling on the sword for Sarah? Like, fuck it, I'm done take me out if you have to. I get it. I'll still vote for you. You're the queen. Like, then he starts crying, and I'm like, holy shit, he's genuinely sincere. He's A, letting her vote him out, and B, is like, you're still getting my vote at the end. Which, queen move. Amazing. Yeah, and just to go back to Sarah once more, and, you know, the Natalie thing, you know, with Natalie definitely doesn't have an idol, the reason I think it stood out so much to us was because I had never seen her make that bad of a read before. Um, I guess, except for the episode where she got voted out in Cagayan, but like that, I mean, but that was long enough ago that I didn't really remember it to compare to, you know, but this read was just, it's like, whoa, Sarah's usually right on the ball to make this kind of read, you know, to, to misread this way does not seem right for her. Uh, so it stood out even more because like I had just mentally adjusted my game for her so high and that really started with Game Changers, which she dominated. That wasn't just the product of this season. You know, she played an amazing game in Game Changers. I think she played a better one here, though. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like, I think the scene with Ben, we're going to talk about that more now. Um, but uh, <laughs> also helped highlight, like, she was the one that brought him in. Uh, he, uh, she was probably most why he would remain loyal even after you know Tony did what he did. Oh my God, she was the Trish, but no, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a partnership. Um, and like, yeah, they made that connection at the swap. I guess it's the one you know thing of value story wise that happened in the swap. Besides, you know, watch your favorites go away. Uh, and you know, she had the connection with Sophie. Like, she had a lot of different angles, all due to her social game. You know, there was a great scene with Yule. Uh, during the season, and I believe Yule gave her tokens that, you know, as far as we know, she never spent. Um, and if I can just quickly interject, I, I think that's yet another example of, like, why she's so amazing. Because just listen to all the names that we've talked about that she had connections with. They're all wildly different types of people and players. Like, Yule and Ben have very little overlap in the Venn diagram. And yet, both of them were like, oh, Sarah's great. It's same thing with like Tyson, Sophie, like all over the map. She's making connections with Tony and like all these people that don't have a lot of commonalities have the commonality of liking Sarah. And that to me is impressive as hell. Like, I mean, JT in his season, his first season, had someone saying like, oh, you know, I just, if I can't win, I want JT to win. Sarah had someone saying, vote me out so you can win. <laughs> like, that's, that's, 
god tier. Yeah, yeah, and all all the all the respect you know for JT for his token tunes game, which I talked about a little bit in our forty fortieth um, influential thing, because people like to just remember JT's later seasons. But also, the person who said that was like already a multimillionaire, which maybe helped. But in Game Changers was a very divided season. There was a line drawn mm-hmm. in the sand, and there's like these people don't really like or talk to these people. It's what helped make it less fun. That wasn't true for Sarah Lucina. She was able to play with both sides when nobody else was. At the time, uh, there was some question. I had some question of whether that was because her low her profile allowed her to do that, and maybe a bit. But we saw it in this season, too, that she was able to do that, and she did not have a low profile. Nobody was sleeping on Sarah Lucina heading into the season until she put them to sleep during the season. And, yeah. So I think it just says, and I mean, frankly, Kagiyan. She was the only uh, brawn in her tribe, and all of a sudden they were all ride or die. So yeah, I, she has an ability to get people to like her, just yeah. not on Twitter. So you know, cops are us. Great duo, greatest duo. What do we think? Greatest, <laughs> greatest. I mean, not just because of like their performance this season. Every season they're on, one of them wins. <laughs> I mean, I mean, gameplay results a hundred percent. Yeah, it's like, do we mean greatest by best gameplay? Because I'm sorry, but Malcolm and Denise still exist. If we're oh, just Malcolm like and Denise are they? Malcolm and Denise win the adorableness category yes. for sure. I love yes. them so much. Uh, uh, but, but, yeah, I, I, but I think their arc really is. I mean, that's that's just something that you get to have when you have 40 seasons of a show, you know, it's really cool that like, yeah, we didn't, you know, we didn't have Sarah actually getting to play with Tony in game changers, but we had so many confessionals of her talking about kind of being inspired by his game. And, you know, Rob Sesternino likes to often say that um, returnee players tend to try to play like their, um, like the winners from their season. I mean, Kat brought a freaking photo of Kim as her luxury item to blood versus water. <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> I would bring a photo of Kim as my luxury item as well. So, yeah. <laughs> but, um, different you know, reasons. And so she, you know, Maybe even though Tony was gone Maybe right away, she, she was still kind of following him. And then, yeah, you have them together. And I mean, gosh, like that, that going to like as much as I really, really wish they had made the final three together because I was genuinely curious who would win because that's tough. And it's been, well, it hasn't been so long. I guess it's really only been since Ghost Island, but it's not very common that we get to the end and really have like a fierce battle, you know, um, of people yeah. who work to get together. You know, sure, in EOE, there was a little bit of like someone was on edge of extinction and someone wasn't, but that was kind of as far as that battle got, because Gavin just existed as played the whole game, you know, but, um, but yeah, like something like Wendell and Dominic is so much more powerful. And that's what we would have had with Sarah and um, Tony, you know, people who really were playing together were tight. Obviously they're tight out of the game. Wendell and Dom are now, but they obviously only met in that season, but you know, like really that close. I mean, Tony was, sobbing and i'm sure some of that was about getting to the final three but like i don't think it was all that you know so the reason that i would say this one is probably the the top buddy duo is a what a three season arc and this was like something that redmond had said on twitter he's like this is probably the best three season arc you're gonna get for a duo i agree and the reason 
that I know that Sarah is in that top tier of players all time is because when it got to the fire challenge between Sarah and Tony and Tony won, I was a little sad. I am, as you can see on the screen, Tony's biggest fan. And I was a little sad that Tony just beat Sarah and sent her home. Yeah. No, I mean, I was the same way. And that was something I never expected at the beginning of this episode, at the beginning of this season. At the beginning of this episode, I kind of expected it. Not at the beginning of the season. But no, I mean, and it's like, and you could see the genuine emotion between them at, at the end of that. Like, you know, I'm not someone that like, cries at survivor i cry at plenty of movies and tv i know you guys got really skeptical i don't cry at survivor though that's so much i do but not at survivor but that like a pixar movie yeah come on now like it's not a mission impossible movie (laughs) okay it's john wick not mission impossible yeah but you know i mean assumptions right it's completely yeah but i'm just saying that like that was a really huge like moment and that was and it was so earned because like you said it was a three season arc uh so we're talking about emotional moments we should get back to this what did you guys think of the ben sarah thing like you know there's the gameplay aspect but like i honestly i just found it compelling television from a human standpoint it was just like yeah we were shocked is this really happening but it was also just like this okay like, this is really happening. And I found it just really interesting. I thought it was, I didn't think it was real at first. I thought it was one of those things that you just kind of say, and, like, I didn't think it was actually going to happen. And then uh, during Tribal, I was, like, looking at the way they were editing it, and, like, Ben seemed, like, super happy when uh, Natalie played the idol for herself. And I was like, oh, so, yeah, that totally wasn't real. And then it gets voted out. I was like, oh, wait, it was? Like, I feel like I have to actually rewatch it because I was so skeptical when it first aired. I was like, no one would do this. Come on. Well, I I do think he was leaving the door open, right? He wasn't necessarily saying, vote me out. He was saying, it's okay if you do. You might need to do this for you, and you have my support. Uh, But, you know, he didn't quite quit. He didn't quite give up. I mean, he didn't quit at all. He did force it to a vote, but he didn't even just say, vote for me. He's like, if you have to, vote for me. But what's interesting is that, unlike Rafe, it was legitimate. You know, Rafe did it to be like, but you're going to say no. You don't have to. <laughs> you, you can vote for me if you want to, Danny. It's fine. I would and then a day later, it's like, how dare you vote for me? I shall be the sole vote for Stephanie now. <laughs> uh, what do you think, John? You're famously without feelings. Um, yeah, it didn't bother me at all i was like hey i'm glad that you're gonna lay down and let uh sarah move on because i this is the story that i'm most concerned with is tony versus sarah so thank you for getting there's also that absolutely but i mean in doing so he prevented them from voting out michelle which i mean there's pros and cons to michelle sticking around to final tribal council we'll get into those later i'm sure um so what i um haven't talked about it yet um I, I think as someone who also doesn't have, like, I mean, has feelings, but, you know, isn't a big crier like Matt. Um, honestly, when it was happening, just thought it was weird. Like, it was just like, like my friend and I were talking, I was like, <laughs> it's like that Selena Meyer gif of like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yes. um, like, what is happening? Why is this happening? And just like confused. Um but then, you know, I will say, and, like, personally was not, like, that, just because I didn't feel particularly invested in 
my Sarah and Ben friendship, you know? So I'm like, oh, how sweet that these probably, I was just like, this is weird. And especially kind of, I think, through not necessarily a fault of Ben, but came across a little weird being after the big, like, here's the problem, Sarah's like, here's the thing with sexism and Survivor and Ben having the kind of unfortunate, like, ah, oh, but they are all our mothers and daughters and stuff. And yeah. so is this, like, is Ben trying to do a feminism? <laughs> like, <laughs> What I want to give a shout out to our commenter, Chelsea, by the way, who said, uh, hang on, let me get the exact quote because it was really freaking good. Um, this is a oh. wild time for Ben to be discovering feminism. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it, was, it was very strange, but, um, but I saw, I didn't read the Dalton Ross interview, but I saw like segments of it on Twitter and then I, and I did watch his Ponderosa and that kind of made it click a little more for me, which is that Ben knew he was going or knew that he wasn't going to win. Like he, he had that read, which was true. Um, we also had that read and was just like, you know, didn't, didn't want to get raked over the coals by the jury, which I get to a point, you know, especially like this is someone we know like we have seen suffer from PTSD and so like obviously it's not the same thing getting yelled at by a jury but it's sort of like and eh, like why you know why what do you need the aggra- aggravation for and if you feel if you happen to feel at peace was it the way like Denise felt at peace a couple weeks ago and I and um and he seemed very genuinely happy to like be with his friends. And you know what? Like he he is so tight apparently, according to Ponderosa, with Denise and Sophie. And if those two like him, how bad can he be? Like what? Like what an interesting. Like it was just very interesting watching his Ponderosa and seeing him like talk to these these two women and how much he you know likes them. And we saw him being surprised that he got along with Sophie, which was a fun little moment earlier in the season. Um. And I had, oh, yeah, I was like, I had another point and I forgot, but then I remembered, like, I've seen a lot of people, not a lot, but I've seen some people on Twitter talking about, um, and on Twitter, not really so much in our comments, talking about like, oh, Ben quit, and he was treated so kindly by the editors for quitting and blah, blah, blah. And as, as Andy already said, like, it wasn't, it wasn't quitting, like, he got voted out still, I don't, except for like, Austin because that was the first time that ever happened I don't really like to count people who like got voted out as quitting because it could have been like Zane was trying to play people and it didn't work <laughs> you know there are times where people maybe are you know Jenna Jenna Marasco wanted to quit and then she won her season like you know things things can happen but we just haven't seen an instance exactly like this to compare to because I saw people comparing it to like how Nayanka was treated and I'm like no Nayanka quit like that that was a quit and we actually haven't seen well we haven't seen that many quits recently either but like Jeff has gotten softer on quits even like Julie McGee he didn't he was like pretty gentle with and like you know being um David versus Goliath like we barely even think about as quitting even though that was just like her leg you know and and those were were full full on full on quits, quits. this yeah. was a little closer it's not the, it's still not the same but a little closer to like an Ian situation or even in a way Jen and World's Apart of just kind of being over it and like my friends aren't here anymore you know but they're very obviously based on where it is in the game very different situations still this is not something that's really happened before and so yeah we talked about it the closest comparison was like Laura um 
because her daughter was about to vote her out and yeah. she you know kind of signed off on that i don't i don't know if you guys remember this but sierra voted out her mom what? um yeah it's, it's true Is that um, they call her game changer that sounds like the biggest move i've ever heard it's true um but yeah, I mean, look, Twitter, I think one of the rules of Twitter is if you did something in the past, that's who you are always. Yes. So Jeff was mean to quitters a decade ago. And if he evolves or changes at any point between now and then, that's hypocrisy. That's yes. just how it is. Yep. And I'm yeah, so I glad mean, you brought this up because it also allows us to talk about something that we didn't bring up when we were mentioning Sarah, which is Sarah gave a whole last class on gender at tribal council and her haters on Twitter were not here to listen to it. Like if it had been any other messenger, they would have been like, yes, singing from the rooftops, which is what I was because Holy shit, someone needs to say it. And seriously, like delivered a class. I don't know if Sarah was just for some reason getting woke in that moment. Finally, like it all came together to her. Like, wait a minute. Why would people think that Tony is better than I am? Like, are what is it because I'm a woman? Is it and it is it all clicking for her at that time? Who knows? But it came together for her, hopefully, and hopefully it sticks. But she gave a whole last class, and then they, of course, transitioned to Probst. Like, hey, welcome to the resistance, Jeff Probst. (laughs) He's he's like, you know, I'm gonna take baby steps. I'm gonna try, and 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 fucking Sarah nails it with the like. I'm going to add a moment of levity here. You can call me Lucina. Like, God damn. Bravo, Sarah. Masterclass in how to handle that. Like, obviously, it was a very tense situation. So she diffused it with a joke, which, again, shows how adept she is socially. Hey, yeah, um, I think that was a, that was a funny end bit. Sorry. Um, though the one thing I thought personally was that, where it's like, yeah, sure, it was good. And there absolutely is gender bias in Survivor. But all I was thinking was like, I mean, he did blindside you and then bring you back into the fold. I think that might be why they think Tony's better. Right. Which is, I think, actually why she needed to vote out Ben at five, because I think she needed to make a big move near the end that was like, Tony didn't do this, I did this. Well, the other thing, that was actually the other thing with Ben. Like, I get what he was trying to do and thinking of it as a gesture, but all I could think of was like, won't that be seen as a Natalie and Michelle move? Like, wow, they were able to convince Sarah to flip. Like, yeah, probably. Go with them, you know? I just, and like, what could she say I, to argue against that besides saying, no, Ben said it was okay, which also doesn't work. So I, I think it only works if she's in the final against Tony and not Natalie. Yeah. I think, I think she That's would get credit over Michelle in that situation. Let's take this transition. I think Ben would have stuck up for her from the jury which she did anyway like right so let's take this transition how scared were you that natalie was going to win no super scared very very terrified no nope. the whole time you cowards you can <laughs> check the timestamps in my dms with matt what was i saying matt I I tried not to be like, well, hey, i'm not- gonna check the timestamps. uh can't say that can't repeat that. <laughs> can't talk about that. Definitely can't uh, screen it's, share it's so that. Fun. You know, honestly, John, you sent me so much stuff, it actually got deleted. Sorry. Mm. Yeah, two, so two as, soon two as, as soon as Tony won fire, Matt can verify this. I went 
full tilt into the jinx. And I was like, fuck it. I don't care. Is Tony going to win unanimously? I'm like, bring it jinx. Let's do it. Once once he won fire, I felt better. I mean, I wasn't thinking unanimous 16 people, a lot of fucking people, but like throughout it, like when she found that idol, I was like, like, this is, this is it. This is what Chris did. This is happening. And like, and whatever, I didn't care about Gavin. So it wasn't that big. This was much worse. Okay, John, I, I got a call bullshit on you. Uh, the first time in the, D, in the DMs that you actually say uh, anything about Tony winning is 10.47 Eastern time, which is literally 13 wow. minutes from the end of the episode. I, I scrolled back the, to all I our talk about fire. until the end of the episode. Yeah, exactly. You, you said it during the final tribal council. Wait, you didn't say it right that. after fire. Yeah, and, I, and I, like final tribal council kept like looking good for my guy Tony and, you know, like, Natalie was not getting um, what it seemed like she would get. Like, there wasn't, like, a lot of affection coming her way, especially, you know, in comparison to, like, the laughter and the, you know, just the amusement everybody had for Tony. But I just, I couldn't rule it out because it's like, I don't know what she did. She wasn't on my show, you know? And it was, and there was such a nervousness, not only because, yeah, Tony, one of my favorite players of all time, I want him to win, but it's like, this is a great season. It won't be if she wins. It won't, and you know, I want to make clear. Last week, I said I don't want my previous favorite player of all time because I'm a front runner, so he no longer is anymore. I didn't want him to come back. I didn't want him to win. I didn't want any of them to win, and I was, I was scared. Um, so I put that on. But um, how do you think she played this episode? Because you know, she came back. She got to the end. Was it impressive? I you know, honestly, I, so. I'm going to say this, and this might be a hot take. I actually don't think it was because I feel like she made mistakes. I feel like she made some bad reads. And, uh, you know, the first time she had an idol, so it didn't matter there. But, you know, then showing Sarah the idol just like, you know, by accident, I thought that was really bad play. Um, And while she did convince Sarah to vote for Ben, like, I don't know how much that was her and how much was Ben. Like, it was tough to disentangle that. It feels and like it was then completely won- Right. Uh, and, then, and then, of course, she won, you know, you know, she had won immunity. So it didn't really matter anyway because she wasn't getting voted out. At, uh, she, had, she had an idol for five and she, wasn't get- and she won immunity. So, like, you know, that's impressive. That's what she had to do. But then, like, I mean, like... I- let me say this when chris underwood won edge of extinction we were all like oh my god i can't believe someone from the edge won but he literally did everything possible to win there and i felt like natalie did a lot here but when rob said like you didn't do everything i was like i kind of agree with that yeah and i think the big thing like a lot of people are like oh now you have to take the person out of fire that's the thing it's like she didn't need to go to fire she needed to not be there against tony Yep. And that was, I think that's what he's saying in that moment. You did a lot, but you didn't do anything. Is that you didn't take out the person we'd prefer to vote for. So that's why we're not voting for you tonight. Uh, what I found even more interesting is that it seemed like her social game on the edge, which should have given her every advantage, apparently wasn't that strong. Yeah. And, and I speculated this on Twitter during the thing. I was wondering if the act of competing for fire tokens, which were almost always a zero-sum game, made it so that the edge was less of a love fest, the community thing, and more of a, this is competitive and you're taking my chance to get back in the game by you getting fire tokens. 
Yeah, especially as we see the people who did vote for her are, you know, Tyson, who she gave an idol to, Parvati, who she like, you know, shared sort of, we assume she got some of those tokens, but she found stuff with and they had shared peanut butter with each other and, and stuff. Um, then Ethan, who we didn't see this on the show, but I read that apparently there was this like, I should say as quickly as possible, this thing was a log making challenge where you could have like gotten an extra one if you if someone didn't finish and you like, you know, carry some more yeah. or whatever. Um, and she took one so she'd be ahead, but then like didn't keep going to give Ethan a chance. And he like appreciated that. Cause obviously we saw what a moment that was. And then Jeremy, who Jeff was like, wow, Jeremy in a late addition to edge of extinction. I'm like, bro. <laughs> Jeremy, who she's been friends with for, what, for eight, years, eight years now. You know? yeah. Yeah. And they don't even live that far away from each other because the East Coast is stupid small. And so they just like hang out. It just, come on, Jeff. Jeff yeah, and, I, and I, I mean, I think Matt has the right point with the tokens, which I guess meant that the tokens helped um, curtail some of the major advantage. But I think the other thing is like we saw in the second half, like poverty sharing peanut butter with like people including Natalie, um, you know, but Natalie, I don't think reciprocated. And I think there was like a tone set within that group that yes, we're competing, but we're also doing this. I believe Harvey has said that Natalie did not actually share any of the tokens that they got out of from Tony. Um, so I think, you know, while I get it, I think Natalie is fully within her rights. I think that's one of those jury plays, right? One of those things where people are like, Oh yeah. Why? You can't just piss off the jury. Uh, you have to, you know, have a give and take. I guess it's true on the edge, just like it's true in the game. And, you know, they didn't vote for her. And they didn't even like, they, it didn't seem like they were rooting for her even at that point. And that was what was weird. Is that, yeah, and like they were doing, being professional and stone faced and up, but, you know, they clearly broke for Tony in ways that they didn't from what we saw yeah. uh, for Natalie. Any uh, questions in the Q&A, Matt? Sure. Uh, these are part Natalie, part Michelle. But um, uh, so do you think that Michelle would get votes if the EOE returnee is not in Fibal Tribal Council? Stick to the plan thinks that her underdog story was stolen by Natalie. Um, is Sarah there instead? Yeah, Sarah's there instead. I can't see it. No. Um, I, I, let's I, say it's Ben. Let's say it's Ben. Let's say it's either Tony or Sarah okay. and then Michelle and Ben. Because hmm. sure. yeah, if it's Sarah, I think it's possible there's like two votes she gets. I don't think she'd get as many as Natalie. So Parvati and Jeremy? Yeah. At, you know, at best. Because, and um, I think it was Barbara, but again, we're not looking at the chat, pointed out that, um, so sorry if I'm misattributing this, but that... Um, that Ethan and Parvati never were with Tony, you know, which is the other yeah. problem of education. Right. Um, and that was true of, you know, some people who never were with Natalie or Michelle even. Well, there's um, nobody who was never with Natalie that was on the jury. Yeah, literally everyone was with Natalie because she was on the edge with everyone. <laughs> and, then, and then she and was in the game with everyone. In, and yeah. in Whereas, theory, it could have been possible. But yeah, you're right. Um, if Well, Sarah. Oh, wait, no, because she was the, if Sarah had gotten voted out. Sarah actually like teamed up with her for a bit. Was the thing that yeah. happened? N no, Natalie helped vote Denise They made this unbreakable <laughs> blonde so that she could read her. Oh. That's that six-hour unbreakable blonde. But yeah, um, 
Michelle then would have like a couple of the people from um, certain swap tribes in the original tribe. Yeah, yeah. Michelle I mean, would have had people that you know she never played with, just like right. Tony. Because Tony also. Not, but let's consider. But let's consider Michelle versus Ben. Thing. Like Michelle, yeah. Michelle versus Ben. If it's Tony or Tony, Michelle, and Ben, uh, what do we think? Do we think Michelle and Ben are getting votes? Uh, oh, well, here's another one. Michelle get could get Natalie's. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. In that situation, Natalie, yeah, you're, you're right. When, if Natalie's voted out, it's possible that Natalie is like, hey, I came at this knowing I had to get out Tony and I didn't. And that shows he's the best. But it could also be like, I worked with Michelle. She had worked with Michelle when Natalie got voted out. So it was like a natural ally, um, not just like, well, you're who's left. So I guess I'll yeah. do that. But I think what all this is, is no, it's not about the underdog thing. We're, we're thinking people who liked Michelle might have voted for Michelle. But in terms of like the underdog, really all we can then if, uh, is the four votes that went to Natalie, would they have transferred to Michelle? Or, of course, now Natalie's vote. Because Michelle was available as a vote, and nobody uh, voted for her instead of Tony. So really we're just asking, would somebody have voted for her instead of Natalie? Yeah, maybe. But it wouldn't have been very many. Uh, I think it would have been fewer. And I think what's a part of it, and this can transition to our conversation about Michelle, is people get a little hung up on how many votes somebody gets as a mark of quality or not quality. And, you know, and there's a lot of talk, and you know, a lot of it comes from a nice place. People are kind of like, did Michelle deserve to not get zero votes? The answer to that is yes, she deserved to not get any votes because nobody there thought she was better than the people she was against. Voting is picking a winner, not deciding, oh, yeah, but, you know, she wasn't awful. Um, and that would have happened, you know, whether the, she was the underdog or not. It never would have been very many. And what do you guys think? Was, was it awful for Michelle that she got zero votes? If, I mean, Aubrey even only if... Deserved, if Aubrey only deserved two votes, then Michelle didn't deserve any this time. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Hey, like, if the whole what? thing is, who, if you win, you win. If you win, you win. And if you lose, you lose. The whole thing was like, you know, a lot of Michelle stands is like that, yeah, she deserved to win her game. And the whole problem. And like, yeah, okay, so she got those five votes. And Albert only got two. That's true. You know what? This time, she didn't get any votes. That's also true. And the winners deserve to win, which is what they said, exactly what they said about Michelle. And... In this case, you know what, because I know the Michelle fans like to just invent the story of Michelle, just say that Tony was an A plus and Michelle was an A or A minus. You like to elevate her anyway. There you go. Like you voted for the A plus because, hey, why wouldn't you take the A plus over the A minus? Because I will, I will say in, and I, you know, first I'll say, I don't think Michelle played a particularly good game and I don't think making it to the final three necessarily means you're good. We don't say that Philip was a great player unless, you know, where the sky is falling. On he did website. get a vote though. Yeah, exactly. But you know, from Ralph, <laughs> but, but, but I also think, and I think this is something that happens a lot in the survivor community. I also don't think getting zero votes means you're a terrible player. Sometimes like Spencer and Tasha played fine games in Caramon. Don played, or sorry, I was thinking ahead. Bodia. Don played well in Caramon and there was my problem. Um, and Stephen played a great game in token Chiefs. He just couldn't, he wasn't as likable as JT and they played really similar games. And what are you going to do? So that, you know, I don't, I don't think that's really the situation here, but if you want to be charitable, you can view it that way. Yeah. I mean, that's my larger point. Uh, you deserve a vote if you 
people think you deserve to win. There's not like, you know, and I think some of this stems back from like Vitas fucking around and deciding second place or whatever. But, yeah. you know, like people are saying, I don't think she deserved to win, but I think she deserved to vote. Those two are incompatible thoughts. If you don't think she deserved to win, she shouldn't get votes. Only people who should win get votes. That's how voting works. You vote for the person you think should win. So if you yourself don't believe that she should, it's not surprising that nobody else who played with her feels the same way. And yeah, as for, you know, she played better. She, she, she played a great game because she made the finals. I, I uh, Okay. Did you say that about Troy Zan? I feel like the people saying that about Michelle didn't say that about Troy Zan. We, you know, when it comes to other players, we know that, you know, not necessarily great players make the finals. Um, you, sometimes, usually, almost always, there's a player that gets there because people want them to make the finals. And it should be noted that she was the person selected to make the finals this season. Um, so let me just, uh, throw a Q and a in there. BBB says, and I'm guessing he's probably getting this for some postseason interviews because I haven't gotten around to reading them yet that Wendell, Nick and Adam were all thinking about voting for Michelle, but decided not to because they didn't want to give Natalie the win. Um, they were worried that, that throwing votes, taking votes away from Tony, giving them to Michelle would give Natalie the win. I don't know. People say stuff in postseason interviews that happens, um, sounds like a nice thing you say about your friend, right? It, yes, it, it exactly. does sound like a nice thing you say. Yeah, if, I mean, you know, if I'm ever going to talk to you again, I'm going to say, oh, you know what? I, I did want to vote for you because we're bros, but you know, I had to make sure that Natalie didn't win. I felt yeah, like yeah, both- you deserved to win, but not as much as I felt like Tony deserved to win is kind of another way of saying that. Yeah. Um, and I do that- think it's notable that those are three people who, you know, had met Michelle before the game or like had, you know, friendships with her. And the only one who, you know, other one would be Jeremy, who, like, Michelle's not going to be mad at Jeremy for voting for Natalie. <laughs> like, right. They're, like, best friends. Yeah, I mean, and look, I've been hard on Michelle in the past. I don't think there's any uh, uh, secret about that. But I think Michelle's game is basically the better version of Adam's game. So, you know, I would believe that Adam would have considered voting for her. You know, she manages the threat level well, and she does a good job of surviving in terms of sticking around. Uh, that's how Adam won. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, you know, and I don't think that's it's – a, it's a game that will win you a season occasionally, as we saw. I don't – it's not a game I particularly like watching. Is the Michelle thing. is the Adam that can win challenges. Yeah. <laughs> Adam has won a couple challenge. challenges. Yeah. Uh, but Michelle's won like plural. more than a couple. Like Michelle's yeah, won. Like, but look, she fair. can do something. I'm, just, I'm, I'm willing to say she's a top 100 player in the history of Survivor. Um, <laughs> wait, I got to count out 100 there. No. <laughs> I'm glad for Wendell's sake that he didn't vote for Michelle because, like, it seems like you know from what we've seen after the fact that he went into this season thinking they were cool and they were gonna protect each other. And like, imagine if he throws her a pity vote and then goes home and sees all those confessionals who are being like. Uh, Wendell betrayed. Wendell is, was such a bad boyfriend. And he was like, wow, I should have really voted for Tony. <laughs> I think what this finale shows is that there's a limit to just hang on and get to the end and hope pe- people like you better than the other people. That'll work great if they don't like the people you're up against. You know, if you're, yeah. uh, if you're playing against people who actually did things well and succeeded and like knew where votes were going to go and you know, gained respect for people, you're not going to win. And, you know, look, it's a way of playing. It can be successful at times, but it's not necessarily a high odds way. A lot of things have to break your way, and they didn't this time. 
and this is where we're at. Did she play horribly? No, I don't know if anybody played particular. Actually, I have a name. Danny. Um, Danny Adam. Um, I think fine. Wendell played pretty bad too. Honestly, it but. was yeah. fine. Yep. But she, you know, when you don't play that well, you're gonna get beaten by better players more often than not. Yeah, and I think actually her approach, I think, works very. I, I think her approach is a approach that works a lot better in newbie seasons. I think in an all star cast, I think it's a really poor approach because there's usually enough people there that being better like than the remaining people, it's a really tough road to draw. I just, I don't think that's a good path for this type of season. And, you know, I, I, I doubt there was the type of calculation there where it's like, I, you know, this is how I win. And obviously this is what I do, but I just think in an all-star season, you're very rarely going to kind of get a winner where, where it's like, I hate those other two people. So you, it is. Yeah. And also I don't, yeah, I don't think it was her approach. I think she wanted to do other things this season and she yeah. didn't. It's good. Right. She, she yeah. failed at this. And then after a while you fail enough in a season of survivor and people are like, we don't need to vote out the failure. There's no yeah. threat level there. Yeah, there was at certain points. So I think I truly believe they did want to vote her out because Tony, Ben, and uh, Sarah were committed to each other. It wasn't necessary. And you know, if she's there, then the three of them aren't. Uh, but right. after yeah, a while, me... there was no point in voting her out. And this happens every all the time in Survivor. And we don't, you know, give that person usually the sympathy vote and the oh they deserve to vote type deal. We just say, yeah, that's what goats are. Yeah. Uh, another question from the Q&A. Bad player asks, is Michelle better than Amanda? I would say no. I mean, she did win once. There's, there is that. Uh, yeah. And here's another thing. Michelle doesn't seem to implode at Final Travel Council. She does yeah. really well. That's the true. The thing is, Amanda is bad at one part of the game. It just happens, it just happens to, to be, be a very, a very, very crucial part. part. <laughs> And I don't know what to do with that when it comes to ranking and numbers and, yeah. and stuff like that. She's just... Yeah. Really great golfer, except for sinking the putt. Um, like the, I mean, that actually describes a lot of golfers, so... Like I, know, I know Courtney got more votes than Amanda in China, but if Amanda gets there, like if it's a final two in China and she wins the challenge, which she probably would, and takes Courtney... I think she wins. The shitty tribal council doesn't matter, and she wins. Yeah. Weirdly, I think we've we've mapped this out before. It's it's hard to say for sure because you can't really you can't even really ask people because you can't ask people to look back, you know, so long ago. But I think if Micronesia is a final three, I think there's a chance she wins because I think Saria and Parvati might have split those votes because I think you're not. I don't think Parvati's losing the Alexis and Natalie votes. So I, I think Sari gets a. I think Sari gets a bunch of this. But but it, it's, it's tough to play. Out. It's tough I to think play it's out. more possible than people assume. I think people assume Sari gets their Sari wins, and I think so, Amanda has a better chance than you. Than you. So think. can we steer this back to the original question, which is: Is Amanda better than Michelle, or vice well, versa? I think, I think they're both top one hundred players. Micronesia. <laughs> yeah. I will say this: I think they're both top one hundred players. I'm just making the so, mildest takes. Here's actually an interesting question: uh, Final two of Amanda versus Michelle. Um, does Michelle win that? 
Well, because... that's a completely impossible thing to say. They've never. I know, but like, before. just imagine them at Final Tribal, and I could see like everybody going in there and be like, "Oh man, Amanda played the hell out of this," and then being like, "Her, her," because like Michelle does a decent job of it, trying to explain her crappy gameplay in the best of terms. So I think yeah. she did that this episode. It's yeah. just only so, but so much you can polish that turn, you know. So like everything she's saying is like, "I really fought hard," all that, and then the flip side just quickly is. Yeah, because you didn't know what you were doing. Yeah, because you kept being wrong about stuff. But it sounded good. Um, it probably helps that, you know, she gets to go up against two people with accents. Sure. Um, I think we should probably get off this one. I think we've devoted a lot of time to a question I thought was just kind of funny. Um, uh, uh, so uh, another Q&A question that I think is very important for us to answer right now. Saturday Night Palsy wants to know, how much are we charging for personalized cameo messages and which one of us is charging too much? I can answer the last part. It is definitely John. Yes. As the capitalist of the group, I have to charge too much. Yes. Uh, If any of us are charging anything, we're all charging too it's much. It's too much. Yeah. That's, true. <laughs> That's right. right. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, let's, let's wrap this up before, and then get to the, uh, the open mic Q and a, um, you know, well, I, I got some saved for the end, so let's just hit the last one, and then I'll do some kind of wrap-up ones. Okay. Uh, sorry. Um, oh, wait. Or should I hit the wrap-up ones now? Because there are kind of, like, more big-picture ones that people uh, like we'll, we'll leave that for the open one, because they might get asked uh, by people okay. on mic or all that. Um, where does the season rank? You know, um, yeah, John and I will eventually put it into uh, the most popular post on the site. Uh, I guess we're not going to wait because who knows when there's going to be another season, but like just in generalities, how do you feel uh, winners at war ranked? John. I, I just got asked prior to coming on this podcast, Hey, when's your rankings getting updated? Because thanks to quarantine, everybody's looking at our rankings, wanting to know which season they should watch. So damn. I mean, as a massive Tony fan, it's going to be very hard for me not to put this, really really high um there was definitely a lull mid-season when i was disappointed in the the what i thought was the trajectory of the season turns out i was wrong and it was great so i mean without looking at the list off the top of my head we're talking probably top seven let's say Maybe it might go high. Once I see it next to different seasons, I'll have to be like, oh, man, I don't know. But, like, does this beat Kagayan? I I don't know, only because, like, this was – it was almost more surprising than Kagayan. Because at least in Kagayan, about halfway through, Andy and I went, holy shit, Tony's winning. This one, it was a little further than halfway through. We went, holy shit, Tony might be winning. But then in the final episode, we were like, oh, my God, Tony might not win. There was still the drama all the way through. Right. So, and but does that enhance or detract from the season? Like, this was exciting all the way through. And, like, in retrospect, like, the things that we were worried that would pull it down did it. Uh, Emma, yeah. what do you think? Well, again, you guys are asking me to deal with numbers, and that is rude. Um, <laughs> I was not actually that high on this season. Um, I think there were a small handful of episodes that I thought were top tier, but I think there were a lot of lulls and dumb storylines and, um, and you know, bad game mechanics and stuff. That just didn't really do it for me. 
it's really hard for me to compare to really old seasons. I haven't rewatched a ton of seasons, so that just makes it tough. I know that's true for some of you as well. Um, I'm not saying top five. I don't think it's top five. Um, maybe top ten, easily top half. You know, um, what's a third top twenty? That's a that's a bold statement. Yes, yeah. but I, like I, easily I mean, top half. And then I was I was continuing. I was like maybe top third, but I don't know what that is. For slowly 40. moving up the rankings 13, here. Thirteen. Yeah, like, top I, like I'm not sure about ten. Maybe ten. Probably at least top 15 i guess well a quick question for you since you're the one currently answering it how much does the nostalgia factor figure in because to me that that made a lot like i didn't feel about any other season that i can recall quite the way i felt like the first episode of the I season i think that factored in a lot for the premiere i think it factored in less as the time goes on especially as the players you're nostalgic about keep getting voted out Um, something I know, I mean, this finale was really great and a lot of finales aren't that great. So that helps. But something I really felt last week was like, you know, the first, the first, the premiere and then, you know, kind of those first episodes, there's that like constant anxiety of who was going to get voted out, which was, you know, bad in one way because it's not that fun to feel like, but also was like showed how invested you were. I just didn't have that last week. And I think it had been a few weeks since I had, like, I just kind of was like, meh, like, I guess this is how it's going, you know, and until, and just had dread maybe about certain outcomes, but it was like, either I'll be happy with this outcome, but he's not, like, you know, I like Tony, but he's not my all-time favorite, like you guys, like, I enjoy him, I think he's entertaining, I've never been as high on Kagayan as you guys, because I didn't have a strong rooting interest that season, and that, you know, helps for me, um, but, you know, I, that's who I was rooting for by the time it got to that point. But, you know, there were a lot of points this season where I just kind of was like, all right, that was an episode. Matt, what about you? Um, so I think it's top five for me, though I'd have to actually look at my list again. The reason I come to top five is because uh, it's tough for me. I don't think this is quite above Heroes versus Villains. Um, and I'm a huge Micronesia fan, uh, which me and Andy have argued about before a bit. We and Andy have argued. We yes. have all uh, argued. Because we all know Andy, that Andy Micronesia. hates Micronesia. So, um, so I, I, I think it's – but the thing is, the thing I will say is uh, my third favorite returning season was Cambodia. And this is above Cambodia for me. And I think it's pretty easily above Cambodia for me. So then it's just a matter of, did I like it better than Kagayan? Did I like it better than a number of other great newbie seasons like, you know, Philippines or something like that, or Palau or Pearl Islands? And that's a little tougher, but I think the answer would be probably Uh, the nostalgia factor was one that carried me a really long way. Um, I, this season felt like a big journey. Like I felt the lows, you know, the lows hit harder, the highs hit harder, you know, it made the ending rewarding because we saw someone play what I thought was both a great game and a really entertaining game. Uh, There were moments of levity uh, throughout, even during uh, the pre-merge when it seemed that everything was going against us. I mean, honestly, if the pre-merge hadn't teased us so often that the choice between the player I wanted to stay uh, if, with, if the alternate had not been teased as always being like Adam uh, or, ben, <laughs> Adam or ben. or yeah I, I mean like the pre-merge would have just been fine like I could have lived with the people that got voted out being voted out if 
the show hadn't been dangling a much more palatable option in front of me every single week. Um, like that's my biggest, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, right. detra- demerit to the season. I, and I thought the post merge was, I thought the post merge was better than the heroes versus villains post merge. Um, I, I really did. Uh, I think the heroes versus, I think the reason why heroes versus villains is number one is because the pre-merge is great too. But I thought this post-merge was incredible, uh, and I thought it was really entertaining. So, like, you give me some time, and, like, suddenly I'm talking myself into, like, yeah, this is the best season ever or something like that. Like, I could see myself saying that, but I think for now I'll be conservative and say top five. Yeah, see, the things that were holding me back throughout the season were I, I was worried about Edge of Extinction. It didn't really matter. And ultimately, I think it did give us a lot of nice moments. You know, you know, the nostalgia factor was huge in the premiere. It was huge in the finale. It was also huge in the family visit. So, you know, that's just like an element of, you know, yeah, that it gave. Ethan moments. Like, it, you know, it gave, I think, more than it detracted in the, because the person who came back didn't win. And so that's something I need to factor in. Also, like, I, I was really worried about what, you know, the pre-merge, you know, trend was threatening to represent for this season that you know it will just be like this season's version of tommy or something moving forward but again that also didn't happen so it's hard you know now that i know how it turned out and it's like oh well, actually all those steps were along uh one thing i do you know i wish that could have improved on you can't do it and if they changed it maybe i don't get the glorious finish and stuff is it would have been a little better if it ended up being you know, old school, new school. Because what we never got was um, takeaway winners and see if people can play on a more relatively even field. It was yeah. still, you know, people that you would watch on TV or need to go early because you're more scared of them. If they had somehow been able to balance that, and you know, one way to do that would be replace Nick with JT and just say Sophie's part of the old school. She's, you know, it doesn't have to be first 10 years, last 10 years. She was the, uh, the, the oldest new school player. Bam, there you have it. Now, you know, old schoolers are finding their own reasons. the youngest old school player. Yes. Um, The the, the old schoolers are finding reasons why some of them are targets. New schoolers can't just be like, hey, nobody cares about me. But in the end, it didn't matter because the post-merge was so exciting. And thus, you know, I gave up that earlier, you know, complaint. And then I was just worried about Edge of Extinction. And it didn't work out. So I also think top five is right around where I'm feeling at this moment. And let me just say something about Edge, because, like, I think for a lot of people, Edge could detract from the season, and I totally understand why it could. Um, I actually think it added for me. You know, one of the big draws of the season, one of the reasons I loved it was the ability to spend time with a lot of these players that I hadn't seen on my TV in in a while and players that, frankly, this is going to be the last time I see on my TV. Unless they, like, come back for some weird, you know, oh, it's Cochran um, role. But, uh, and so the edge, while it did take away from what was happening in the game, it also gave me that nostalgia that really added to my enjoyment of the season. I really loved seeing just I spending more time with Parvati, with Rob, with Amber, with all of these people that I would not have gotten otherwise because they would have been out of the game. It would have been over. So um, this is something that I think will factor in it. If you do end up rewatching this season, knowing in your rewatch that edge is not a factor in the end game viewing it then as that check-in with the people that you've known and you've seen all these seasons. Like, I think it probably holds up differently on a rewatch than it does watching live. I was going to mention that as well as we we've had, we've had a lot of people, you know, often it's the opposite direction. Um, 
where we'll talk about a season that we really like, like, you know, let's say Cook Islands or something, and people will say, like, oh, but it's terrible on a rewatch. For the record, Cook Islands is one of the few seasons I have rewatched, and I still enjoyed it. But, like, still great. you know, that'll that'll be something people will say um, about other seasons as well. That's just an example. And we're kind of like, well, the show's not, that's not what it's meant for. You know, you, you're supposed to judge it like as, as you watched it. But I could see this being a season that um, rewatching it, enjoying it more, because if nothing else, I won't have that sinking feeling of dread the entire time. And then the other thing I'll say for this season is um, this is the first one in a while that John and I podcasted about every week. One of the reasons why we gave it up, obviously, because Survivor hit like this, this absolute rough patch, but also it's because we, I found, you know, I can only yell about the same thing for so many weeks in a row, you know, <laughs> like there's certainly like a, a bunch, but after a while it gets old. That didn't happen this season. Like it, there always felt like there was new things to talk about. Maybe at the end it was just like, oh my God, Tony's amazing, but I like talking about that. So there's no problem. But yeah, like week to week, I felt like the show was able to refresh itself enough that I was invested the whole way through. And I don't know if that's true for a lot of seasons. Now, uh, one point, I don't know if this is what Emma was uh, feeling, but like it is always hard to compare the show, the seasons that we see now with the seasons that we loved back when we were not as critical of it back yeah. when it was just one of the shows we watched. It was a Wednesday. We watched this for an hour and then we watched something else. Um, you know, but I mean, that's what we do when we make the list anyway. So. Yeah. And I think that's especially like something I kind of, I didn't make like a whole like decision about it, but I ended up not tweeting during the finale at all. It's still on my phone because I was texting my mom and a friend of mine, but like I, I didn't tweet. And I mean, I'm never looking at Twitter while I'm actually tweeting it because West coast and that's dangerous, but you know, it was just, it was nice to just kind of enjoy it and not be like a better think of a clever take and like stuff like that. And it kind of got me thinking, even though it didn't really apply to that, aspect of it is that I don't I don't know how much you know interacting with people and stuff is or like being that deep in the fandom is really helping me enjoy the show like we've we've kind of addressed this to a point but like you know I bet Sarah is a more enjoyable character if I know less about her you know and and yeah being informed is important on like other things but it's not like rooting for sarah is going to like actually affect any policies you know and some people are fully able to separate that and you know and that's fine and and some people can't and that's fine too you know it's a different thing but i can see why you know being a casual might just be a happier existence and an existence where you enjoy the show a little more but keep watching in our website and this uh, live stream that we're here now no look well, i mean also i'm saying that you know for me and like yes. other people don't feel that way you know yeah no uh, and... sorry uh, no 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 you finish your thought mine well we have been steadily disengaging from the fan community and just like we're just going to chill with the people we like. Um, and that I think has helped. Uh, obviously it helps more when a season is this and not Island of the Idols. But uh, I will find like another thing that made this season enjoyable is there wasn't like a, from what I saw and I, I've done a lot of filtering of my, you know, environment of the commenters, but most people seem pretty invested and happy and that helps too. Yeah. There were certainly some people that weren't, 
and I muted most of those people. I don't go to other places. Um, but like even just within our commenters, I don't mute our commenters except for that one fucker. Um, <laughs> Cry yourself to sleep, Tony. Beat everyone. Yeah. Um, and I think that helps too. Like it wasn't like, you know, oh, I guess I'm not allowed to like this because that's what people have decided. And like, you know, obviously like I'm a big enough asshole that like, I don't necessarily care always, but then I'm just being aggressive the other way. And, it's, you know, there's some enjoyment for me for that, but more, it was just fun to just like root for stuff. Yeah. Generally not watching the chat the whole time, but <laughs> I, I got to shout this one out. Um, Gorilla Titty wants you to play the hits, Andy. <laughs> Call Adam a pissant. <laughs> do it, do it, do it. <laughs> that pissant little fucker. <laughs> Yay! Say it, say the lie! <laughs> Uh, Matt, did you have a thought? Yeah, let me ask you guys this, because there was a question, I'd say, for the end, uh, and this actually kind of led into it. We all, the four of us, really enjoyed this season. The degree to which we enjoyed it varies a little bit, but we all really enjoyed it. Do we think that whenever Survivor returns, and right now that's looking pretty questionable when it will come back, do we think, are we still going to be excited about it? Or do we think we're going to kind of fall back into our post- Island of the Idols feeling where we're a little wary. I'll be up for it. Uh, and there's a major reason. We might as well talk about this now. Like for everybody who's like, ah, I want Michelle to win to see what it'll be like on Raw podcast. It'll be so funny. I mean, we legitimately said, I think we might walk away if she does. And that sounds like sour grapes, but it, it wasn't really that. that. Uh, it was that it would, you know, I mean, Michelle Wynn would completely show that we need to shut the fuck up because we don't know what the hell we're talking about. Like she would, you know, get her victory to shut the haters up, which meant it would be time for me to step the fuck out. Yeah, but she did. The win. haters need to shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> but she didn't. So I can talk all of my shit, and I'm excited to do that if Survivor comes back. Will it be as good as this? No, it couldn't possibly. But. You know, there's a good argument to be made. Maybe the time off will also help it. I and that mean, was where I, I was at. I think if, if we do get a relatively extended break before we come back, that, that might help. You know, I've missed the show more. Yeah, and I also think that whenever you see, I mean, like one thing I would hope that when it comes back is we just saw Tony win again. Uh, a lot of people in the community are going to talk about how great Tony is like, maybe people are going to stop thinking that the way to win isn't to emulate the people that we've seen the past couple of seasons, but to try to play more like Tony. Now, maybe that means that everyone who plays more like Tony will immediately get voted out, uh, which is mm-hmm. kind of what's been happening the past couple of seasons, but maybe not. I mean, maybe we will, you know, maybe we will just see more and more aggressive games and, you know, we'll get end games that aren't blah and disappointing like we had the past couple of years. So. All right. I'm up. Um, since you're still awake, should we get to that audience Q&A that we promised? Yeah, we probably should. All right. Uh, we're going to start this off uh, with another video because uh, we are four members of the Purple Rock podcast, but we do have two other unpaid staffers like the rest of us. So uh, let's, <laughs> let's uh, watch a video uh, from Brad. Hey, y'all. It's Brad. Uh, as the only senior citizen on staff, I really do need to be getting to bed. But I figured that I should probably get in on at least part of this very special episode of the podcast. So here's my question. Uh, Dalton Ross published a series of interviews earlier today, and it sounds like Tony had two unseen uses of fake idols that he credited as a positive impact on his game. 
So I want to get Andy on record here uh, about how he feels that Tony, the newly crowned king of Survivor, was talking so positively about fake idols. Uh, thanks, guys. I'll take my answer off air. <laughs> How about the fake idols, Andy? <laughs> that's nice. It's not canon. Whatever. <laughs> I will say that for me, um, because Tony did it, that proves that it's, it's a good thing now. That if it had happened on the TV, if it happened on the show, I would have, like, flipped well, well, instantly. It would have been like, see, see, see. <laughs> Or it would be like it's the exception to prove the rule. And you know, mere mortal sucks. Tony can do no wrong. I approve. It's in the song. <laughs> <laughs> it, it didn't happen. It wasn't on the TV, so I don't need to do anything. You know what's freaking wild is Mike Hirsch did an awesome job with our theme song. And so before this, I think it was right after the first episode, you know, he pitched to me like, Hey, do you want to do a different theme song just for the season? I'm like, Yeah, sure. And so we're pitching back and forth ideas and we were initially gonna like have all the different players in it and the only lyric that stuck was now let's just leave the tony thing in let's just say that you know anything tony does we're gonna approve and that's the only fucking player we mentioned the only <laughs> name we left in and then he wins the season the only thing we didn't curse this whole goddamn season we put it <laughs> right there Everything else is just, whoop, but no, uh, Tony, uh, yeah, that's how it is. So I guess he was our one true king. Um, and then uh, the final member of BRP, uh, Mark, ha- had this uh, question for us. And then after that, we're going to open it up for everybody else. Share. Mark, uh, sorry, I can't be there tonight. Hey, everybody, it's Mark. Uh, sorry, I can't be there tonight, but I do have a question. Who do you think played the best game that was not in the finale? Me. Oh, so outside the top six. Yeah, so, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I think we can include people who were in the edge of extinction because everybody, but otherwise, the answer is Sandra. Sandra. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say Sophie, personally. Um, I think... Because if you know you don't want to go too far back, or that gets weird. And um, Jeremy, I think, made a lot of mistakes. We saw Kim make mistakes. Um, I think Sophie was playing a really good game, and there's no way she could have seen that coming. Awesome. Uh, I, I'm, That's it. Yeah, the, the three names that came to mind were the three that M, that Emma threw out. It's Sophie, Jeremy, or Kim for me. Um, I thought Kim rebounded well off of the bottom uh, that she was in at the beginning. I thought she fought back. I, I thought she had a chance there briefly to like actually spin it. But Sophie was in a really great position for the entire time, and she got Tonyed. And this thing that we said when it happened was like, you can't really always account for being Tonyed. Like yeah. it just ha- it happens to literally the best. It ha- he won this season. Like I think that was one of the key moves he made all season. Absolutely. Like and so like I thought, and if not, and if that didn't happen. I thought she was in a fantastic position. So, um, yeah, she, her, Kim, I thought Jeremy actually did a good job even being just over a barrel the entire post-merge. Uh, I, the only one I disagree with on is Jeremy. I, I think it's, it's Sophie or it's Kim. Um, I mean, unless you want to get wild with, like, people that were swap-screwed, which don't. Hey, Emma's right. You gotta, you gotta stick with the post-merge people. Come on, Andy, give us Rob. Say it's Rob. Rob. Of course, it's Rob. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, how did he survive all those votes? He just got swap screwed. What are you gonna do? You know, the buddy system 
It's a brilliant plan. I think we all know it. No, it was Sophie. The answer is Sophie. That's easy now. Yeah, all right. Um, here's your part now. Everybody who's stuck it out. If you have a question and you would like to ask it on air, we're doing a little radio thing here, I guess. Uh, hit the raise hand button and I'll call upon you. Oh, there we go. Uh, first one is going to be cry yourself to sleep. Are you there? Perfect. Oh, um, Speak up again. You guys hear me? Yep. Yes. Hey guys, it's Cry Yourself to Sleep. Uh, long time listener, first time caller. Uh, my question is, uh, is there anything from this season that you guys found redeeming slash that you would want to see brought back in a future season from uh, Fire Tokens or Edge of Extinction? Um, so Edge of Extinction needs to die forever. Um, yeah, yeah um, Probes has said it's being put on hold. I hope that's you know just the kind way of seeing Pucci went back to his home planet because <laughs> um, he just dodged a big bullet. Uh, I'll say if I said this earlier, so this will be my answer. I'm fine with Edge of Extinction until the merge. Yeah. So basically, and it was funny because a friend of mine who doesn't uh, follow Prep Rock Podcast was telling me what Reddit was saying, and Reddit was like, you know, Edge would be great if they ended at the merge, and then uh, everyone who was on the Edge had to vote back who got back into the game, and I was like. So you want the outcast, the, the twist that was literally the most hated twist ever when it came out. And he was like, oh, right. Yeah, that's what that was. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with Andy. Uh, Edge needs to die. If they end up the merge, I think it's fine because I think giving pre-merge people another chance isn't the worst thing in the world. I actually think Fire Tokens do have a place, though they would take a lot of reimagining without uh, the Edge. Um, but I think if you can figure out a way to make them work without the edge i kind of like the idea of them i i think that's it i think fire tokens there's something there you can you can do something with fire tokens it just needs to be retooled a little bit from what it is here same on edge of extinction we said all along like if you stop it at the merge fine hopefully that actually would work out well to get rid of some of the early early game biases that we've observed many times i'm fine with that but yeah fire tokens not in the form that they're in now, especially because you hopefully won't have an edge of extinction later on. Right. Yeah. I, I agree with all, all that was said, you know, um, also like, you know, the, the first time the idol was it, it took, it took a couple times to really figure it out. So I think they could do it. Um, we'll see if they do. All right. Um, now I realize I don't know how to like remove them from this. Uh Oh, <laughs> There we go. Okay. Uh, next question it comes from Amanda Rossi. Amanda, welcome to the show. Hello. Um, I don't have a username. I'm a professional lurker, uh, but I really wanted to participate in the live Zoom. I'm really excited. Um, I've been here since Game Changers, so I figured better late than never. <laughs> um, my question is, obviously, uh, you said you're really excited about the break to kind of give yourself a chance away from Survivor. Um, but since we're looking at a, a longer hiatus, is there anything exciting you have planned or anything you're thinking about bringing to the website? Um, so <laughs> I, I did bring this up recently. And like whenever I bring up ideas, the reaction was, oh, are you really asking us to do stuff? I mean, the, <laughs> the first answer is obviously we'll finish our 40. Uh, that'll be next week. But three more posts. <laughs> <laughs> finish our 40 is something i did in college right. andy <laughs> and, and, and we'll pour some of it out for boston rob um 
Yeah, we're gonna do something because it's like usually we just shut down, we walk away for the two, you know, the two months or whatever it is. Maybe we let you know some other people talk about like funny accent survivor for a bit. Um, that's not gonna happen either because they're also in the same world that we're all experiencing. Yeah. Weird. Um, so there's gonna be something we don't fully have it planned out, but I am going to try to get my kids to watch Survivor in this off season. Um, you know, uh, one of our, Violina23 has been doing it. It seems like a fun thing. So I'm probably going to spin that into some form of content, um, some kind of rewatch with the, with the group. I haven't decided fully what form that will take, whether that'd be articles, whether, you know, if it's a podcast, I probably need somebody else. It'd be interesting to see if I just talk about it with myself for as long as possible. Um, for me, no, for nobody else. Um, and I think uh, it's only appropriate, given how this season went, is uh, I'm going to cover Kaguya. And then um, I, I had like a, an idea, you know, I'm thinking about kind of kicking around, but not not really sure yet. So I don't want to like name anything, get people's hopes up. But we've we've got some stuff we're considering. We have been talking about it, but, you know, season just ended. So we're still, we usually take at least a couple weeks to decompress before we try off season content. I will give you one that I'm now not going to do because I'm fucking pissed. I had, uh, <laughs> I can screw it. It's the podcast. I can reveal what I was going to do. Um, I had talked to Gordon Holmes before the season cause he, he used to run the survivor hall of fame and it had stopped. Um, and so I said to him like, Hey, you know, is there any reason you stopped it? Would you be offended if someone else like picked up that ball and ran with it? And he's like, Oh no, 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 it's, it's cool. Like we might actually come back and do it at some point, but you know, do your thing. So I was like, Oh sweet. So that wasn't my plans. And then today I saw the ringer who has been edging in onto survivor content because ports are gone, posted the ringer survivor hall of fame. And now I just lost all motivation. <laughs> Yeah, we're a weird survivor website in that we don't like to steal people's ideas as soon as they do it. Um, really amateur hour on our part at that point. Um, so there you go. Uh, ultimately, while disappointing for John, it also had the nice benefit of, hey, now I don't got to do that. Like, that's a freebie. Yeah, yeah, honestly, I was relieved. I was like, you wanted us to write more fucking articles. I wasn't saying that you guys had to write it. I was going to do, like, votes and shit. And yeah, then, you would have done know. three, and then you would have gotten burned out, and you wouldn't have done anymore. Exactly. Right. Then I would be like, we're only having three people in the Hall of Fame. That's all the Hall yeah, of Fame. Come holds. on, don't you know how Hall of Fame works? The That's Hall exactly of Fame is Tom. I mean, it's, Tom, what's it's Tony uh, and Tony, 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 Tony thinks belongs Tyson. in with him. That's right. I combined um, Tony and Kim. That's what happened there. Oh, there you go. Uh, since everyone else is giving their plans for the off season, my plans were to do a- my plans are to do absolutely nothing. But because I've now said that, I imagine that now I will somehow end up writing the bulk of uh, someone else's plans for some reason. So. Well, also Matt and I are going to keep talking about X Men movies. So all you people, just oh, come. Fuck, yeah. <laughs> all right, uh, let's get to another one. Uh, this person's had their hand up since the beginning. Hopefully, they actually have a question and they weren't just testing the function. Uh, this would be Robert Holman. Omen? Gotta unmute. Omen. No one ever pronounces that correctly. I know. Omen. That's fine. That's fine. They always want to add it out. Or technically. Well, I guess I, um, uh, my question is actually um, uh, how are you guys coping currently with the COVID crisis? Everyone doing well? Honestly, good days and bad days. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I am very fortunate that I still have 
my job. Uh, I work from home. Uh, you know, there was a bit of a reduction in pay, but other than that, like I'm really fortunate. Um, you know, no, I, my family's healthy, but it's not easy. And you know, sometimes it's just like another day. I can roll out of bed and work in this room you're seeing. And sometimes I'm just like, oh, wow, the whole world sucks. And I don't know what to do about it. Um, yeah, not me. Yeah. It's been really stressful, especially the past week or two. <laughs> so it'd be great yeah. if it were less stressful. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's It's been getting better, which is a weird thing to say because it's just dragged on. But also but my COVID experience did. Appendix. Yeah, my COVID experience started with emergency surgery. So, you know, uh, uh, I'm I'm one less appendix, but... Uh, everything after that has been like, well, at least I'm I'm not going into the hospital for an appendectomy right now. So, go on that bright side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, I mean, I, I think we touched on this a little before once, but um, yeah, I mean, I don't have kids and I don't live alone, so it hasn't been super duper hard in in comparison. Mm-hmm. You know, like everyone, I think there's good days and bad days where just the stress of you know life hits you but um really really lucky uh some of you know that i used to work from home anyway i started a new job in december so it was really more like i got used to working in an office for three months and then it was back to working from home um so i you know i know how to do it i'm used to it now i have a job with meetings and that's lame and there's like another person here while i'm working from home which can be irritating at times but it's actually it's fine it's really just when we both have calls and been really, really lucky that um, both me and my husband have jobs that it kind of benefits when people are staying at home all the time. So I haven't had any like financial cuts or anything. And I know what, if I was at any of my previous jobs, I would have been completely screwed. Like any single job I had before this would have been a disaster. So wow, did that December job work out well. I also saw like a job I had applied to and didn't get laid off their entire editorial team. So, you know, small blessings, I guess. Um, Yeah. So I've, I think all things considered and incredibly fortunate. So trying to take note of that as much as I can. How about yourself, Diego? Good and bad. Bad news is getting out of it. Bad news is getting out of it, starting to try and get out of grad school into a job market to only have the job market immediately collapse. But I had to have some interview, but good and bad days. I'm just grateful for my mom, who's a nurse and is keeping through that all day. She's yeah. not directly working with COVID, but working around that, especially, oh, she works in down. She works in a downtown capital city that has had some it had some activities going on. Yeah, I, I'm dealing with something like that too. Like my, you know, I'm very happy that my family is safe, but my wife has to leave to work. Uh, she's uh-huh. also in healthcare. She's out of the house four days a week, and you know, it's a controlled environment. Um, mm-hmm. But right now, humans are poison. So you know, I feel a little bit better if she could stay home as well. But, you know, I know that, you know, they're very careful and I'm proud of what she does. I trust her in, I trust her instincts more. I trust that she knows what she's doing. She married Andy. Why would you ever say that? <laughs> I think he she was so young, John. So young. <laughs> All right. Obviously, shout out to all of the like healthcare workers and any essential workers who are who are helping. Um, because yes, some of us still need food and stuff, and it sucks that we have to rely on people to do it, and they should all get paid more. 
Do we let Saturday Night Palsy on the show? I was just going to say, how do I put someone's hand down? <laughs> Palsy! <laughs> Fuck that I guy! I have a serious show. question here. All right. So, I feel like a lot of this season, uh, well, a lot of the players this season, talking about retiring, they're done with Survivor, this is it. And, you know, it's cool. I get that. It's good. Uh, do you think season 40 is a good time to just reset? I mean, I know there's people we all want to come back, but when the show's bringing back people like, you know, the beginning of the season with Ben, Nick, Adam, we're like, do we really want to see these people again? Are there really 20 more people that we want to see come back? Or is this a good time to start fresh and maybe figure out a different way to, uh, you know, populate the seasons with people that are not just completely unlikable and people that are just there to play the game and don't, you know, they're not super fans, they're not recruits. It's just a fresh start. What do you guys think about that? I don't know if you can turn back that clock. I think the audience has shrunk to a point where there's always going to be super fans that's going to make up what it is. And um, it's, I mean, if you think that the cast haven't been particularly full, I don't know if we want every season to be starting from scratch. Um, I said at the beginning of the season that this is kind of like the you know Marvel franchise. And yeah, uh, Captain America and Iron Man and that are gone, but we're going to continue it forward with like, you know, Bucky and you know, Black, Panther Black Panther and Spider-Man. And so, yeah, there will be people coming back, some from this season, um, and then also people who hadn't won that were maybe more interesting than those people. I would, I would be fine with sort of a middle ground where maybe we don't get people who've already played two times at this point from the first 40, but like, let's be real, we all need that like best of David versus Goliath versus best of Millennials versus Gen X because those are the good casts of the 40s and just have, you know, Davy and Christian and Angelina and Gabby against like Jay and Michaela and Hannah and um, someone else <laughs> from that game. <laughs> Not Adam. Well, he already played twice, John. Oh. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, I, I totally, I totally get the idea of just getting like fresh blood. Um, and, and I think they should do that for a while. I think we've seen, you know, if you have a great returning season and then have a returning season soon after, that's how you get game changers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't want game changers. Yeah. But I think in a few years doing like a, another second chance type thing could be could be a lot of fun. I think there are players we'd like to see again still. But I think, you know, you you still want to freshen it up. Yeah, I think it's smart for a franchise to use known assets. Uh, you know, it, it's weird to just abandon them, especially in the culture we have now where, you know, they don't make movies, they make franchises. And, you know, so I've always supported since All-Stars. Yeah, bring them back. I don't see why you should be like, people really like that, Rupert. Why should we ever use them again? That just seems like a, a poor business decision. And also, I don't resent players for being like, yeah, I'll keep getting that money. Um, you know, I don't resent them for charging cameos. So, but... <laughs> I do think, like, it would be nice if a lot of the players that were on this season, some of whom were my favorite players of all time, if they're done now, um, because it's not going to get better. And let's, you know, I'm ready for the next phase, hopefully. Well, one phase you might not be ready for is the uh, tease that we got at the end of last night's episode, which is Probe suggesting that, hey, teenagers, send us your videos. Bad, yeah. bad, 
first of all, creepy, um, as friend of the pod, Corey Barker pointed out. <laughs> um, very creepy. But also, bad idea. Like, there have not been a lot of teenagers on the show, but most of them are not very good at the game. We, like, my or interesting, even. Close, you know, came the closest. And it's just because we know why we're not going to get into it, because it's mm-hmm. uncomfortable for everyone involved. Um, but, like, what was Will Wall, what were Will Wall and, like, Julia Sokolowski and Natalie Tenerelli really bringing to it. And it's just also like Josh Wiggler really pointed this out. Like so much of this season talked about how tough Survivor is for you. Being a teenager is fucking hard enough, man. That's right. No, friend of the pod, uh, Cory Booker. Booker that's right. That. <laughs> Bar- uh, what they should not that much of a really friend want. that any of you voted for him, but you know. So. <laughs> no, 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 you know, you know, maybe they want teenagers Barker. because we're finally going to get the season that that was really influenced by Sierra, and we're going to get an all-parent-child season. That's right. Just voting out moms. Still right. a bad idea. <laughs> Isn't that just Bill Island at this point? Um, <laughs> We don't know if the mom's like hot. <laughs> That's right. Well, and look, yeah, no, I mean, we talked about this uh, offline, but it's like, I'm pretty sure Michael Yerger will still be attractive as a 20 and 21 year old. Natalie Tenerelli certainly has not gotten less attractive. Like we can wait. And yeah, for this show specifically, it's 24 hours a day in states of undress. Please don't do that to children. Don't do that to me watching children. I'm not sure I could, like, take screenshots and not have somebody come arrest me. It's just a, a bad idea all the while. So, you know, if that's the alternative, keep coming back with the returnees. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's bring in Francis Lally. Uh, you just have to need to un- unmute yourself. How's there it going? Go. It's going all right. Good. Uh, so my question is, since it's a uh, returning season, and uh, I figured we kind of go for a senior superlative look, so can you give me some season superlatives, like most improved player, best storyline, stuff like that? Tony for all of them. Who else would you got? Uh, Yule for best abs. <laughs> uh, Adam for class clown. That's a good one. <laughs> Um, uh, my, so, my, can I just say, my high school actually had a vote for best body. What the fuck? <laughs> That's at least hopefully right? it was other teenagers voting. I yeah, mean, but still. Even like, still. Still. Jeez. <laughs> right? just, like, I think it was under the guise of, like, athletic, but when, and they always changed it to be, like, you know, if you got best smile, it was, like, most likely to be in, like, a Colgate commercial. But, like, you when you voted, it was for best smile. So when we voted, it was for best body what the fuck that's fucked up <laughs> anyway then, carry then on have teachers just... that were way too interested in the results of that one and be like no no, no. <laughs> it's like election they're just crumpling up tracy flicks vote um like, carry on i just had to but the answer to, to that is still you yule yeah absolutely yeah. um is there a most improved uh i mean i don't mm. know if the game actually improved but in terms of my eyes against sophie um, I, I always thought that she had played a pretty decent game uh, the first time. This just kind of reinforced, like, oh, yeah, no, there was something there. Like, I think she's a good player. Um, I, I felt like she played similarly to before, which is a game I never had an issue with there. But, you know, yeah. she, um, so, yeah, and it's like Sarah was awesome, but she was awesome. Tony right. was awesome before. Uh, he improved, though. Like, I, I guess from Game Changers to this, huge improvement. <laughs> uh, like, a lot of that feels like the variability of survivor but he did adapt the most is that the same thing as improvement 
Did anybody go the other way for you? Uh, Wendell. Uh, I, 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 feel, I feel like when Wendell's game, like, you know, Adam, he wasn't good, but I didn't think Adam was good before this. Uh, Michelle didn't really change my opinion of her, uh, really. But Wendell, I, you know, I thought Wendell played bad. So. Yeah, and he also, like, you know, he was he was very likable this first season. He was very not likable this season. Um, yeah, so I agree. I agree with that. Um, I think you could maybe do a, like, mo- who would be, like, you're most likely to succeed if they did play again. Kim, this she's just going to follow the Tony plan, right? Yeah, it's there Kim. Yeah. Uh, I'm just trying to think of actual like superlative. You yeah, know. we never did that in my yearbook, so because um, you know I think God wouldn't have liked it or something. Uh, what what other ones do you got? <laughs> we did, but I didn't win any because I was invisible. Um, oh, clearly, like none of us appeared. Yeah. In, Most invisible anyway. would be Danny. Danny best, what about, <laughs> there we go. Yeah, uh, best running Danny. form, John. What do we have? Best running form is Natalie, right? Probably Natalie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Francesca's in the chat. Come on, Francesca. What were our high school superlatives? <laughs> I think um, Ethan, most likely to make me cry. Oh, yeah. Barbara brings up a good point. Cutest couple. Obviously, Romber. Well, you know, uh, Ethan, I think, would actually be my most improved, like, from a character perspective. Because, like, I had no memory of Ethan before. And I loved Ethan. Like, er, you know, when he was on the TV. Like, I, and I was like, wow, I love Ethan. Didn't expect that. So... I actually think cutest couple was Rob and Ethan. <laughs> it was pretty cute. Honestly. They were actually very cute. Actually, in I, I haven't seen all of the Ponderosa stuff yet, but in the first in the first act of like the EOE people Ponderosa, there's a part where Ethan like feeds Rob like a chip or something, and then Rob feeds Ethan a Kit Kat, <laughs> and then the Kit Kat falls, and then Ethan eats it anyway. Oh man, I so want this to end with the camera pulling back and Amber just being like. all right uh welcome to the show jersey luck Uh, be on brand and have your question be about michelle and also unmute yourself what up what up what up (laughs) (laughs) oh jersey man is here i'm really disappointed you're acting i'm so excited i really hope Sorry. I'm so excited. I won the championship. The full jersey can be beaten. Um, I have two questions. One's an obvious one that you can answer quickly. When when are you going to send me my crown? For being the winner of winners of the Fantasy League. Uh, I believe would... uh, Saturday Night Palsy is getting that made for you. No, 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 no. Uh, it, they, they, they mailed it through Philly, but much like Hitchbot, uh, we, we broke it. So you're I, not getting it. I actually thought it was insensitive uh, to force people out of their homes to deliver such a frivolous thing <laughs> at this time. But, I mean, that's just because I'm the nice Canadian. What, what else you got, Jersey? And my second question is about... What do you think it's going to take for us to get another woman winner of Survivor? Oh, we got deep. Uh, no, this is a good question. Uh, the answer is, uh, I don't know. Is don't don't have her one? be a teenager. <laughs> that really truly won't help. Um, yeah, I mean, I think one would be, um, you know, better finalists. But that leads to the next question. Who are good, the better, like, how do we get better finalists? And it's tough because what the the women that have felt like the strongest contenders have been taken out, and I'm not sure the reason why. Because 
there is a there's got to be something like this isn't like an imaginary thing or a bunch of separate you know individual things but like you know they are winning you know challenges now they are finding idols now i have no reason to believe a woman incapable of making fire i don't believe that this is like an innate thing that our penises give us um but i don't know uh, anybody have any actual yeah I, I have an answer and it's kind of tongue-in-cheek but it really actually isn't um if they did a men versus women season the next uh next season i think uh i think uh there'd be a woman would win because the thing is we talk about uh, women's alliances all the time, but you want a woman to win. The best way to do that is for women to band together and keep themselves from being voted out in the early game when they're unfairly targeted, get more to the late game. And then I think they would have, uh, and then I think it, you massively increase the odds just by virtue of that. So do we trust survivor and Jeff Probst to run a season like that now? Well, Jeff now is woke. He's woke, that's right. <laughs> right. Yeah, come on, we got a new woke Jeff. We got new woke Jeff. Jeff we won't know up. any of the women's first names. <laughs> mm, Jeff, yeah. Jeff woke up. The women are finding more idols. I think we're on the right track. Um, yeah, I think, um, you know, I just, after Matt's point, I just have women got to stick together from Crazy Eggs Girlfriend stuck in my head, so I'm losing my train of thought. But, um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I do think having, like, the conversation out there will help it, it in the sort of same way that the first, obviously, it didn't go the rest of the way, but in the beginning of season 39, that's how they were able to avoid a woman being the first boot. Um, so, if, you know, there's a little more of that. And um, and they don't, you know, do everything else that happened in that season. But um, I think they are getting better with the casting. It's just we need to have, like, the, the they're getting the stronger women. We need to also have weaker men. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I feel like they have gotten weaker men. They just happen to also win. So yeah. that's problem. And well, like, Tommy yeah. was, like, Tommy's boring, but he is big and strong. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think there's this whole, with Tony winning, you know, maybe this whole, like, managing your threat level thing will dissipate a little bit, and you'll have these women making bigger moves. And, and you've had, you have people talking up how well Sarah played, you know, and yeah, sure, there's fire making, and so you have people practicing fire, um, and all of that. And, like, I, you know, I, I think it's, now that women are finding out, I mean, I agree with Andy, it's hard. I don't like people saying that the reason men are winning is because of the fire challenge. I know there's this, like, correlation, but there's also, you know, it's still a small sample size. A couple of those have been men versus men, you know. Um, we don't know, like, Gabby, you know, really brought this up and said, like, Kara was good at fire. She had a bad day. It's also, there's this thing, the same way people are like, oh, Ben won his way in fire, like that is so we can't have him at final four that doesn't mean he's like an amazing fire maker it means he's was he better one than person Chrissy. like you know rick devins was really good at fire chris was better at it um so you know we we can have times where like you know sometimes it's just luck of the strike of flint um so you know there will be a time when it's like Aubrey and Sydney, where it's two women in fire making. Like that, you know, I believe that'll happen someday. So and in all seriousness, like I hate to give the show this very faint praise, but there has been some balance coming back towards idol finding with the women. 
like it, it was a huge gender gap. It's shrinking. Thank you, Queen Angelina. Um, <laughs> also, you know, the challenges have gotten way like they used to have some challenges that they would call gender balance that clearly weren't. Um, now the challenges are much more of a crapshoot. They're much more evenly matched. It, there's the, the idol finding thing. Um, they're giving women better outfits than they used to. They're, they're slow, but steady improvements. It sucks that it's a freaking glacial pace and it took this long, but at the same time, like they're at least heading in the right direction. And now we have a woke probe. So. And, and now they have more time to think about it. Right. And in the chat, uh, Heather was saying, you know, casting, and that's obviously a big part of it. We talked about this a bit and that women are more likely to be cast to be attractive. Men are more likely yeah. to be cast because they're competitive. But I also feel like that was turning around. Like I, like Island of the Idols had a lot of competitive women. Um, yeah. And look how that turned out. Like, yeah. So it's like things need to be done. And I think they are starting to be done. It's not until it happens. We can't say that it's fully done, but yeah. So it's, it's a lot of stuff. Like, I don't think there's a thing. Is this, I like, think uh, it's a lot of little things. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, maybe not so little, but there's a lot of things. All right, uh, let's get a question from Ryan Bilger. And I'm sorry that I'm like saying everybody's name. I, I guess it's just that's all. It's I my have turn. Yes. Oh, that is acceptable. Um, first off, Matt, I see the gritty shirt. Philly recognized Philly. Uh, yeah, let's go. Yeah, I can also be known as Gettysburg Eleven on site, aka the guy with a 19th century Civil War general as his avatar. Um, so one of my questions, fortunately, you covered it because I was going to ask about the weird teens applying thing. And this other one, I think you kind of touched it on it obliquely, but maybe not a single answer. So I was wondering, what was the thing that you were most surprised by from this season? Like the thing you were like, wow, I did not expect that. I'll go first on this one. Sarah, 100%. Like my opinion of her, like I thought she was a great player in Game Changers. And just I really enjoyed Sarah this season and thought she did a freaking awesome job again playing, but like was also entertaining while doing it. So Sarah for me. I think I would say, um, and you know, just before I say it, I don't think, you know, this has to be a player per se, but I'm going to say Ben, because we see sometimes winners come back and think they have to change their games for some reason, which usually doesn't make sense. But we saw this like JT is the famous example. I think Wendell had the same problem as well, but Ben decided he needed to change his game. And as much as he really looked like a goat going to the end, I don't think he gets that far if he plays like he did. And here's, here's yeah. Hustlers. Cause I don't think he's going to find all those idols he and we see him make like real genuine friendships and with people who are very different from him and i thought as a character he was very interesting to watch um and very kind of multifaceted and i wasn't expecting that matt uh i think the most uh, the biggest surprise for me was that the podium wasn't an idol I, I, I thought Proust I I was going to let Adam play it. I, you know, I mean, like, it's, I thought he was, I, when, it, when we said, can I play that, that entire thing that I couldn't turn up? I thought Proust was going to say yes. Um, no, no, no. The, the easy answer for me is that Tony went an entire season without receiving a single vote. Damn it. You already, you had one answer and then you took mine because I was going to go with the <laughs> I'm fucking shocked that Tony fucking Flacco's won a season of Survivor. He won this season of Survivor. That happened. 
Uh, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> uh, there you go. Uh, let's go to BBB. Uh, unmute yourself, please. What's up? What's up with you? Uh, as a teenager, I would have. <laughs> I'd be the one good one. I would win. No, Excellent. Uh, we we believe flying, it. But. I mean, as an old person, I would never vote for a teenager to win, but you, I'm sure, would be the exception. Okay. Anyway, what I was going to say is, what uh, have y'all, I'm sure you have, what do you think of Rob Sesternino's uh, Survivor Wild Wild West or like anything in America? Oh, yeah. what, how, do we, how do you think we can make that work and would it be good? Um, as... As someone who I, a lot of these guys don't really listen to RHAP anymore. So, um, you know, quick rundown. He's just talking about a domestic survivor because maybe there's Oof. a time where they can test people, you know, and make sure everyone in production doesn't is, is safe, but you still can't do flights to Fiji. Disney World Survivor. We're, you know, screw the NBA Survivor <laughs> in Disney World. <laughs> I could actually compete on that one because it's a short drive for me. Like, that's oh, right. Really yeah, that's how they is whether it's a short commute. Um, oh, it's the only reason I'd apply. <laughs> I didn't have to try far. I want Disney World Survivor, but only with mascots. <laughs> yes! Yes! Sorry, the Emma. You were... Survivor. Um, I, um, yeah, I mean, I think... <laughs> I think, sorry, just the chat we've had are really mad and so happy. <laughs> but, um, I, you know, I think if the choice is between that or no Survivor for, like, two years, I, you know, I, I don't think it's the worst thing. Maybe you could do a shorter, like, kind of a mini game or something. But I think America is fucking big, you know? There's a lot. And we've proven now that it doesn't really matter where it takes place. Obviously, the biggest problem is the ocean because the coasts are where we are most populated. But um, if you find, you know, Snake River or some shit, like there's definitely a lot of places that have some water and have a lot of land. Um, obviously, there's Hawaii, but I imagine that, you know, you're still getting on a flight. So I imagine that's still Darius there. is like America, the Midwest, and like he's just raising John's ire there because there's few <laughs> things that John hates more than the entire region <laughs> like, of the United States. There's America, um, the Southwest. There's plenty of forest, you know, you could have redwoods survivor um right. yeah you know bad player jokes we could finally get the alaska cold survivor that no one wants <laughs> <laughs> just everyone in parkas man like it's it's great I mean, they'll look, get the teens yeah they'll get the teens. <laughs> yeah. i mean like i i've, I've been to a lot of the u.s like there's a lot of places in the u.s that you could basically like have a survivor set and it would not be too different from survivor sets we've seen we got it acres could work. man what we got acres man all over I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, it could definitely work. Like, I just, you know, and if that's what we need to do to get Survivor, I get sure, why not, I guess. I just like the idea of the way to save Survivor during this current pandemic is to hold it in one of the worst, um, you know, affected countries in the world of the (laughs) pandemic. This is perfect. That's what we need to do. We uh, we got to hold this in America where we're doing such a bang up job, just locking it all down. And where if something goes wrong, it will be super affordable to treat the people that get it. And I just have to say that obviously as someone who's not American. All right. Uh, I think we only have one more question on the chat. Uh, this one is from Robert Headley. Unmute yourself, please. Welcome Hello. to the show. Hey, Robert. Hey. Just want to ask, what was your favorite moment in the season? 
uh, besides Tony winning, uh, it was clearly uh, when I first saw and every time after I saw Boston Rob on my screen. <laughs> <laughs> Never changed, man. Um, as much as I loved the 4-3-2 vote, and I really thought that was great, I think I got to go with Denise's idol play because the shouting, the joy I felt. Because I, I love Denise, and I think it's a real shame how the edit um, did her in the later part of the season. And I don't know, maybe she wasn't doing that much. I do think that's possible. But we know she was, like, working with Kim and then worked her way real into that other um, that other alliance sorry i'm mad and john are distracting me <laughs> um, <laughs> because john is a very obvious answer and i want uh-huh. him to yeah. hit it um but sorry um let me re get myself ready but um yeah i think i think that was just it was awesome like it was already cool when she was playing the idols because like oh she's doing a second one and then like realizing what was about to happen like oh she didn't she's playing on jeremy jeremy she obviously didn't vote for jeremy i don't think she voted for tony because i don't think she'd need to do that that's my oh my god and then that final just sandra was like oh and like really like i mean i shouted and um that doesn't happen all that much anymore because this show's been on for 20 years and you know surprises happen but it's not like it's multiple times a season so i think so who's going to give bad players answer which is the yeah, it's me john it's, it's me. gotta be john <laughs> so i was signaling to matt <laughs> it's gonna be me um yeah if i can't pick tony winning adam playing the podium man i died it was the best scene just the build up to it and then the the confident walk is striding over like I gotta get to this this podium idol before anybody else does because it's such a brilliant idea. And then just probes letting him hang out to dry, and just hammering. Are you sure? Do you want to keep trying, buddy? You want to tug on this a little thing? More? This thing that you couldn't get off. <laughs> it's so good. I mean, it's just the perfect player to be clowned for my rooting interests, and I love seasons with comedy and then micronesia was great for that the podium moment was an all-timer to give another comedy scene which was probably my favorite scene uh, outside the podium it was the ladder uh tony's ladder uh because yes. it, it happened a while ago we might have forgotten it but my god man that ladder so good um so. Tony getting the extortion note and his true (laughs) unabashed glee of the potential of extorting. Oh my God, I've never extorted somebody. It's always seemed so fun in the movies, which is exactly what you want to hear a law enforcement officer say. Um, Yeah, no, that's right up there. But the answer is the podium. Uh, Right. Um, uh, Well, I mean, my fair part of the Tony extortion wasn't just the extortion, but then he was retelling the story at Final Tribal Council and the entire jury was cracking up there. I also like when he's like, Adam, you're like this. And they were both like, spy nest. Yeah, right. I love that Adam like, somehow knew, like, expected, like, he did, he did normal ground. He did below ground, the only thing left. <laughs> uh, a couple more. Uh, we got time. Uh, we don't, but whatever. Uh, Barbara Anderson, welcome to the show. Hello. Hey, Barbara. First of all, I just want to say I'm actually becoming a little bit warmer on Cambodia thanks to this season. So, good thing. Two more watches and you're there. (laughs) (laughs) Five-timer, yeah. Um, My question was, what is your, like, 
biggest way, uh, missed opportunity? Like what was like your dream alliance that didn't come into fruition or maybe, maybe you wanted to see Nick as the first boot from the call. Who knows? I would have liked to see Tony with at least one more legend. Like he didn't get to play with Boston Rob at all. He didn't get to play with Parvati at all. Um, or even just take out another one. Like, obviously, Sandra was taken out by Denise. Yule was taken out while he wasn't there. Like, it's just, like, what is it like when other people have to uh, confront um, what Tony Flacos is like? I, I kind of miss that. I, I My big alternate is I would have liked to have seen what happened if we got the merge uh, one boot earlier, which is to say, what if Yule was at the merge? I think it's a very different, uh, I, I think it could be a very different story then. Um, you know, I think Yule uh, provided some backbone to uh, certain alliances that kind of fell apart without him. Um, but I, I think, you know, it just would have been a really interesting game. And, you know, I, that's, that's honestly the boot that still bums me up the most in this season. I would have liked to see, I guess, two things. Um, if they didn't do the three, the, um, the swap to three, I think that was the... I mean, obviously, Edge of Extinction and Fire Tokens, but I think that was, like, the biggest, like, avoidable mistake production made. And, um, but then outside of that, if we just think of the players themselves, I would have loved to see Kim and Parvati work together, and I mm. think we were robbed of that, and it is cruel and unjust and probably sexist. See, and this is why I was just being nice and letting you go first, and you stole my fucking answer. That it's, That's <laughs> absolutely it. It's Kim and Parvati. Like, if if we could have gotten to the merge and Kim and Parvati join up, oh my God, yeah. next level. I mean, oh, when you think about it, night. Michelle and Parvati are basically Kim and Parvati. I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Corndog. Corndog Shuffle, last question. But, Unmute. So we can hear it. Unmute yourself, oh. there you go. Hey, how's it going? Hey, guys, how you doing? All right. Good. Greetings from uh, Washington, D.C., so you're up late like Matt and John. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's, uh, it's kind of late. I don't know what, I don't, Andy, I don't know what province you live in, so I don't know if it's late for you, but. Not really. He's in mountain time. Oh, okay. So, okay. Not, not, not Virginia time. Uh, I, see, people keep taking all the good questions. So I guess I kind of lost all my questions. So I just wanted to, to say uh, thank you guys for, for hosting this community that we all get to take part in. It's really been, uh, uh, really been nice to be able to deal with all this all this stuff and with the PRP community uh, during during this COVID time uh, and just to get to share and survive with all you guys. I know my wife, Mrs. Corndog, has been really into all of it, and she's even started listening to your podcast, so you're welcome for one more, uh, one more listener. Well, first of all, we had, like, I occasionally, I always forget to check the stats on our podcast, and it's also, like, kind of obscure to do so, but this season had an absurdly high, like we were in the multi thousands listens per episode. I think it cracked five most recently, which is absurd. And honestly terrifying. Like it is like, Hey, advertisers, we can sell mattresses now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But most importantly, like the, the, and we've said this before, but the people we care most about are the people that like actually interact with us on our site and on Twitter and like, you guys are awesome. This is why we do this for all of you. You're the best. Except Saturday Night Palsy. Fuck that guy. I don't know if I can top that, but I, of course, will take my turn to talk. Um, nah, seriously, I, I do want to thank people. Um, I have no business just 
bloviating all the time. I am aware that I am largely full of shit. Not as much as I would have had to realize had a certain person won this season, but still. Uh, it's nice to have that opportunity. It's nice to go somewhere on the internet where people can converse about things you know, relatively civilly. I like to think we... Um, some notable exceptions we did that this season, including me. You know, it's not just Tony who, you know, had personal growth. I feel, you know, I, I, uh, I didn't hurt as many feelings this season. Success. Um, but no, it, it's just nice. It's weird that it is this thing, this weird reality show where people pick who they don't like as much and tell them to get out and not win. But um, it is this thing, and I'm glad it is. And, you know, I know I may not be here every week because I'm not a regular host, but the important thing is being the fan favorite. So thank you, fans. It's a very low bar. You're competing against me and Andy. And oh, God, Matt. I miscalculated. I left Matt with the final word. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, all I got to say is boo-boo. <laughs> I can't do it too loud. I got people sleeping here. All right, uh, that's what we got for this season. As we said, we're going to do something in the off season. We don't know what, but keep following along. There will be something. Uh, I used to spend a lot of time thanking everybody. Uh, that was back when we could print out something easily. But, you know, everybody who's here, thank you. And you and you, and maybe not you. Um, but thank you all for listening miracle, to us. Miracle, miracle, fuck you. <laughs> you. Um. And um, follow us on all the regular spots. Continue to do so. Anybody else got anything? This was fun. Hit the theme music, Mike Hirsch. Oh, I'm not ready. <laughs> uh, follow us on our individual Twitter, Twitters. Purple Rock Andy, Purple Rock John, Purple Rock Emma, Purple Rock Matt. Was that enough vamping? You could have at least delayed the vamping a little bit. Like oh, yeah. some banter in there. Purple rock. Look, my dog's rock. behind me. He finally oh, got on the bed. Everyone so. loves a dog. Look, it's a pillow. <laughs> All right. And you, now Paul. we will actually hit the theme music.